Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. Jeez, is it Monday already? <laughs> I actually love my job. I'm only kidding. I, I, I love being here. Uh, a lot of revelations, a lot of stuff. Uh, uh, as a lot of folks know, I work on, on Sundays out in the heat. <laughs> you know, it's my last, uh, my last day job. Uh, so looking for a few more sponsors. So if you want to help us out here, uh, contact me at greg at writeyourlaws.com. That would be tremendously helpful because so many things we have to do. And we're going to make a big splash on the media scene hopefully soon anyway here. Um, so let me see. We've got so today's 28th. Just put a date down here. Now, um, one of the things I'm really hoping, and I'm really hoping to do this, um, is to, uh, I know it sounds crazy, but to get on with Tucker Carlson and write a bill on the air. Uh, I talked about that with Chadwick Moore, his author, uh, the author of his biography last week. And so I think it's entirely possible. I think it's, it's completely doable. Um, I think it's, it's absolutely essential. You know, if anything's going to happen um, to get this, uh, you know, this country moving because uh, I had an interesting revelation kind of last night uh, and this morning. And I was thinking about this, that the left seems hell bent on, 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 quote, you know, getting Trump and not letting him on the ballot. And they figure if, uh, if they stop him from getting on the ballot, all the problems are solved. And they're not. You know, there's another force out there. Um, it, it's not as visible yet. Will be. <laughs> it's not as visible. Basically, it's us. We the people. And so the difference between Trump, who sets himself up as, as you know, the leader of the conservative, patriot, independent, you know, libertarian, Republican, you know, kind of movement. Um, and what we do here in Action Radio is that we create leaders out of everybody. And so in doing so, I think in, in many ways we have a better strategy because if we create leaders out of everybody, then they can't get all of us, you know, much as they'd want to try. Uh, and this is why I teach everybody what I do here at Action Radio. If something happens to me, I don't want this to stop. You know, something may happen to me. I hope not. You know, I'm not looking forward. I'm not looking forward to it. You know, I'm not, I'm not you know, planning for it. I'm just kind of like, you know, stuff happens, right? Uh, either accidental or on purpose. And so if they think I'm the leader, you know, then I become a target. And not that I'm, I'm not worried about becoming a target. I just want to make sure that a lot of other folks know how to do this, know how to create legislation, know how to uh, lobby, know how to uh, write bills and how easy it is to actually do this and how, uh, how we've discovered a system of, of very simply, you know, getting ideas down that can go directly to Congress that millions of people, literally millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions worldwide, you know, can understand and take to their governments. Uh, and so this is why I have work to do. Uh, this is what I'm supposed to do, and this is why I'm going to keep doing it. But it really, you know, I put a meme on uh, Facebook just a few minutes ago. You know, if you've got uh, time to share a meme, you've got time to share a bill. So stop sharing memes and start sharing bills. You know, I mean, that would be so much more active. I mean, the memes are cute, and I share a lot of stuff. You know, I've got uh, over 20 Facebook groups. I have to share a lot of stuff. But it's all designed to advance knowledge and advance legislation and do the things we do here. That's an entirely different thing than just sharing memes because it's cute and funny and everybody feels better. That's, you know, I mean, I get more videos of stuff I've already talked about. I, I see more shows of people continually raising and complaining to an art form. And you, you look at most of the talk show hosts out there really trying to outdo each other with who can complain the best, but not actually do anything. It's really kind of sickening in a way. 
because, uh, first of all, they're making a lot more money than I am. But secondly, they're, they're doing absolutely nothing. And see, this is why the left doesn't worry about uh, conservative talk. It doesn't worry about uh, a lot of conservative shows. It doesn't worry about One American News. I mean, they try and get rid of them and stuff because they don't like the message. And Newsmax, they don't like the message. But in, in terms of actual effect, they know they can censor them. They know they're not going to change anything, even if they do report some stuff, because a lot of people get upset. But they also know the Republicans aren't going to do anything about it. Well, we're a little bit different here, <laughs> and so uh, I intend to be the deep state's worst nightmare, uh, by far, even more so than Trump, um, because uh, Trump's only one person, and I don't intend to be just one person. I intend to be a force of millions, and so it's going to be a very different thing to see what happens between them, you know, those folks that are following Trump, and Trump's great. I mean, I want him in, obviously, uh, in the next term, but he's going to need help. Okay, you can't do no one person can do it themselves. The world's too big, it's too powerful, there's too many things going on. If the deep state were one person, we basically lock that person up and then we'd, we'd be done with them. But it's not that simple. They're an entire organization. And they're incestuous and they're everywhere and they've infiltrated, they're like termites. You know, and so you've got to uh you've got to uh, arrest them all, <laughs> you know, or kick them all out of government or, or depending on the severity of their crime. But it it staggers me, and I wrote this on Facebook too, that not one single Democrat has been arrested for stealing the election, and yet Trump has been indicted four times for saying the election was stolen. That's insane. So what it means is the Democrats are perfectly free to cover their crime, their treason, their insurrection, their plots, their plans, their illegal actions, high crimes, misdemeanors, low crimes, you name it. They're free to cover everything they did because nobody calls them on it. Nobody arrests them. There isn't a single Republican district attorney or U.S. attorney who's arrested a single Democrat for vote by. Well, maybe some minor cases, you know, locally, but I mean, in terms of the, the 2020 election, not one. So what do they care? You know, and you don't have to be in the White House to do this. Any Republican district attorney can arrest any Democrat all the way up through Joe Biden for any reason. I mean, the, 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 the precedent, if you will, is clear that these little podunk well, I mean, not so potent, but uh, these DAs in New York and Georgia and different places like that, you know, they can uh, haul Trump in and fingerprint him and uh, get a mugshot, all which are apparently different. Um, and that's OK. They can do that. And he has to comply. And so does his entire administration have to come in and get mugshotted and fingerprinted, although everybody knows who they are. But not one Democrat. It is shameful, absolutely shameful that the. GOP, the gelding old party, the GOP goobers, that's my new word for them. So goober is short for globalist deep stater, goober. So when I talk about the goober debates, that's the globalist deep staters, the goobers. So that's what those are the goobers are. But not one single goober has arrested a single Democrat. And that is shameful. That is absolutely, that is inexcusable. That is intolerable. It is irrational at a time when Trump has already been arrested four times and not one single Democrat has been arrested. I don't care if you make up the charges at this point. Just start arresting Democrats. And I don't say that lightly, but that's the opposition we're facing. So I don't care if the Democrats want to arrest, if, uh, if the Republicans want to arrest a Democrat for, uh, for <laughs> I don't know, how about stealing the election? I mean, those are real charges. How about anybody that had anything to do with January 6th? How about anybody that had anything to do with, uh, you know, uh, Bullhorn Man, <laughs> you know, the guy on the podium? Um, Ray Epps, 
You know, all the uh, Black Lives Matter and the Antifa people, all the Capitol Hill police that opened the doors, all the people that took away the security fences, all the people that, did, that broke into the Capitol or walked into the Capitol to stop the Arizona count before the Trump supporters even got there. All of those folks need to be arrested. Plus, anybody that had to do with vote fraud. I was just reading a, a Gateway Pundit that the ACLU was uh, reportedly miscounting ballots and, you know, in, some, in, um, in Georgia and in Fulton County. I mean, the legion of vote fraud, you know, thousands of people need to be arrested. And the, Demo- and the Republicans haven't arrested a single person. Again, that's how I wrote that article last week. Why should I vote for a Republican Party that refuses to arrest a single Democrat? You know, why should I vote for a Republican Party that refuses to hold any kind of a hearing on the stolen 2020 election? Why should I vote for a Republican Party that raises the national debt? Why should I vote for a Republican Party that does any of these things? I'm not going to vote for Donald Trump because I believe in Donald Trump. But I know that Donald Trump would be better served if he helped Action Radio so that we could help him than he's being served by the the Republican Party, which wants to do him in. So we're in a very strange situation here, and the situation is all, well, we'll see what happens. But uh, I'm trying to get on with Tucker. If I get on with Tucker Carlson and I talk to him about to becoming a conservative news advocate, now I've said this before, I'm not saying anything new or, or secret or, or, you know, behind the scenes or anything like that. It's very simple, that a conservative news advocate is what journalists, conservative journalists have to become or we're going to lose. And what a conservative news advocate is, is someone that reports the news and then offers a solution. It's not that complicated, right? So Tucker Carlson would say the national debt was increased by such and such, and the solution to that, one possible solution, is a constitutional amendment to take away the power of Congress to borrow money. I happen to think that's the best solution. That's why I wrote it. But there are solutions out there. We have solutions to pretty much everything. I mean, there's a lot more. There's more bills to write, obviously. Uh, I want to do the, the, uh, the, the, ref, the, the preemptive refund for – what do I call it? The, the uh, compliance – uh, preemptive refund or, re, or compliance cost, re, you know, redemption or something. Uh, what it's about, it's a bill that says that whenever the government is investigating you, they have to give you the same amount of money they're using to investigate you. That way you can, you know, and plus you can bill them for compliance costs. If they want thousands of copies of stuff, if they want uh, legal documents, if they want you know, any kind of, uh, if you need to represent yourself in court, all those things are going to be paid for by the government until you're convicted. If you're not convicted, of course, then everything's paid for. But you shouldn't have to suffer if the government investigates you. So they'll investigate you just to make your life miserable. And they can make your life so miserable you can go out of business. I mean, you don't have to be convicted. They just have to not like you. What if you're a gun store in Montana and you said, you know, screw you, Brandon. <laughs> you know, I'm not doing such and such or I'm not enforcing your illegal laws. Well, the ATF comes in, looks for any paperwork violation, which, of course, everybody has them because nobody's perfect, right? And then they close your store down, close your gun store down because you have a paperwork violation. That's irrational. That's not how a sane world would operate. Anyway, so that's my rant for, for now. Um, it's, uh, I think it's quite fascinating, the things that are happening out there. And that's just one of the big ones, is that uh, everybody is centering um, on Trump. And I, that's too much for one person. We shouldn't put that burden on him. And in fact, the, the conservative party, conservative folks are letting Trump take it. Take it. They'll say, oh, Trump's going to save us. Trump's going to lead us out of here. No, he needs help because he, he kind of screwed up his first term uh, once COVID started. So he's not perfect, but he's very, very good. 
You know, he's the best person out there, but no one person can, can lead a whole country. And we're not supposed to be led by one person. We're supposed to be we the people are supposed to lead. And the way we the people are going to lead is I'm going to uh, work with a bunch of folks to provide you the legislation that will bring you unparalleled levels of freedom and prosperity. And if you like the bills that we have, get them out there. Get them to Congress, get them to state legislatures, get them to local governments, school boards, you know, city uh, councils and county commissions, and let's get going here. That's how you solve this problem. We can do it. We can change everything. We just change the laws. We change the, we change the laws, we take their power away. And I don't care who's in office, Democrats, Republicans, it doesn't matter to me. You know, they all have to run for office. They all have to get a vote. And Oh, I know the vote can be stolen. Well, we're going to fix that too. Don't worry about it. But you've got to get busy. You've got to start sharing our bills. You've got to make us a, a force so potent in this country that uh, – uh, that we can actually do the right things to get our freedom back. Okay, so that's that. Now, my other big revelation as I'm traveling around looking at different stuff is I found out, um, and, I, and I had to stop before because I remember doing a report on this, oh, 2021 maybe, that um, I thought, well, why do we have masks? You know, why the, the, they say COVID's in the air. Well, well, why don't we just test the air, right? This is what I'm thinking. Why don't we test the air? So you know me. I go to the, I go to the internet and say, can we test the air for COVID? <laughs> Apparently we can. <laughs> and all this stuff came up. And I thought, well, this is really quite interesting. So if you can test the air for COVID, you don't have to test people for COVID, right? Because, you know, if, if, or if someone's breathing out COVID, you know, you, you'll know because it'll show up in the air. <laughs> you know, you can walk by an air tester and, you know, breathe and, oh, no COVID. So you don't need PCR tests. The, the masks don't work anyway. But, uh, you know, they can uh, they make you wear a mask if you have a COVID air tester. Uh, and there's no COVID there. You know, besides, we know the masks don't work, but they might try to make you wear them anyway. The only reason you wear a mask is because you don't know where the COVID is. But if you do know where the COVID is, then there's no excuse for wearing a mask. And again, they don't work, but some people feel better, you know, hiding behind that. In fact, some people actually, I heard this on One American News, they long for the days of the mask. You idiots. <laughs> You're a bunch of fools. Anyway. Um, but, but if you don't have, uh, but if you don't have uh, PCR, if you can do a COVID test, you know, for the air, and you don't have to, like, breathe into anything. You just kind of walk by it. You know, test the air automatically. And so if you have COVID testers, then nobody ever has to have, have a COVID jab, all right, unless somebody actually gets COVID, and then they go home and get treated with, you know, zinc, hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, vitamin D3, vitamin C, and they'll be fine. We know what the treatments work, too. Apparently, Peter McCullough has a new treatment for those that have been uh, jabbed, that there's, uh, there are some treatments for uh, – you know, the blood clots and the tea, uh, despite protein and everything else. So anyway, let's, let me get to some of the articles. Let me start with the main one here. Um, uh, here we go. So this is what kind of uh, started it for me. It's called, this isn't Time Magazine. This is an authoritative source here, right? So anyway, so for today, we've got, uh, we've got Jonathan joining us in the next hour. And then we've got uh, Dorothy in the hour after that. So it's going to be interesting. More. Monday's always fun around here because there's so much that we can do. So what would you think of if your company says you have to wear a mask? You know, the obvious answer is no. And then they say, okay, you're fired. But what if you say instead, well, how about if we get an air tester? That way we'll know if COVID's in the air. And if COVID's not in the air, nobody has to wear a mask. Besides, they don't work. <laughs> you know, I got a thing on uh, my vaccine page, my regular page, and a bunch of them. It shows you a tiny little dot, right, <laughs> in the center. And that shows you this big, big circle around it. Well, big circle around it is the, is the space, in a, the, the pore in a, um, in a mask. And that tiny little dot in the center, that's COVID. So it's kind of like COVID going through, I don't know, a mask. It, it, it'd be like, uh, say, a mosquito through a chain link fence. No, it's more like a mosquito through a, a four-lane auto tunnel. <laughs> that, that's how that's how small COVID is compared to uh, the spaces in a mask. 
That is why, ladies and gentlemen, they don't work. All right. All right so let's go to Time. So Time Magazine. Uh, it's, and this is from uh, under their health COVID-19 section. This is now a rapid, accurate COVID-19 air detector. Right? You can put these on airplanes, too. So when they try and bring back mass mandates, the airlines should say, no, I don't, I, let's just put a COVID air tester on board. And then if someone has COVID, they, you know, they might want to make them sit in the back and contain them or something like that. It's like, okay, fine. But uh, you don't, you don't uh, contain everybody. See, the whole thing is, in a, in a healthy, uh, you, cannot con, you know, can't contain healthy people. You can't quarantine healthy people. You can't restrict healthy people. They're, they're healthy. <laughs> anyway, so this is by, let me see if I can write, Alice Park. Alice Park wrote this July 13th of 2023. So it's actually fairly recent. And she says, the COVID-19 pandemic will forever be associated with unprecedented lockdowns and inconveniences such as wearing masks in public. Even though we know that was illegal, right? We've talked about that? Okay. Excuse me. And then she says, and that's largely because health experts had no idea exactly where the SARS, excuse me, oh boy, if I start hiccuping, I apologize. I'm just in a, I'm in a crazy place today because I worked all day yesterday outside and I'm still, uh, I'm exhausted. I really am exhausted. If I fall asleep during the show, don't, you know, just, I apologize now for anything stupid thing I do for today, push the wrong buttons and things like that because I'm really exhausted. But, you know, the show goes on and this is, this is my thing, so I'm going to keep doing it. Back to the article. Uh, so, so it's talking about to the unprecedented lockdowns and inconveniences such as wearing masks. Well, they weren't unprecedented. They were unconstitutional. See the difference, right? Then she says, that's largely because health experts had no idea where the SARS-CoV-2 virus was lurking. Bonus points if you know what I'm actually trying to sing there. And then it says, and how risky crowded settings such as workplaces, classrooms, and public transportation were. Well, we all knew the subways were going to transfer COVID immediately. But the thing is, transferring COVID is not a problem because 99.9% of the people or more do just fine with COVID. They get COVID over it a few days later and it's done. But if you lock everybody up in their homes, that sticks around for months. That's the problem. So getting out in public and getting it transferred to as many people as rapidly as possible and getting everybody over it in a few weeks is ideal. That would have been perfect, but they didn't do that, of course, because they wanted to preserve COVID for the uh, illegal gene shots that they issued later uh, in 2021 or 2020, excuse me. Then it says, but what if an easy to use mobile, mobile, mobile device could detect in real time, I guess that would be now, SARS-CoV-2 in a given space. Hmm. That would give people confidence to go maskless. That's not actually a word, folks. Go without a mask is a word. If no, actually several words, you know, if no viruses were virus were floating around or take precautions like wearing a mask or avoid the setting altogether if the virus was detected. Well, how many, how many viruses does it take to actually infect you? It takes like billions, right? You know, I mean, most people can get a, um, Oh, it's mugshot of Jenna Ellis on this article. She's such a cutie. Anyway, um, she's on my, my dinner list of women I want to talk to about everything. <laughs> you know, their whole life story. Uh, quite fascinating. There's a few people on that list. Gina Carano, Jenna Ellis. Who else would be on that list? Uh, just a badass women. <laughs> anyway, but I, I digress. It says, uh, so if in the article, Alice says, um, what if an easy-to-use mobile device could detect in real time? All right, there we go. That would, okay, here we go. Um, see, the thing is, if you have an immune system, you don't worry about it. But um, people could at least have the option. Well, we detected a little bit of COVID here, but probably not enough to infect anybody. Well, okay, no problem, because COVID's everywhere. So we'd find out exactly how widespread COVID was, <laughs> or we'd find out how, how little it's actually spread, because most people have had it by now, so it doesn't really affect 99% of the population, because we've all had it, right? 
Then it said, researchers at Washington University, St. Louis, report in Nature Communications that they have done just that with a prototype device about the size of a microwave that can pick up signs of SARS-CoV-2. They don't call it COVID anymore. They call it SARS-CoV-2 in about five minutes. Hmm. Led by Rajan Chakrabarty. That's not Vivek Ramaswamy, just so you don't get confused, right? Indian names. Anyway, Rajan Chakrabarty, uh, Associate Professor of Energy. And I guess he's not the guy that does Cindy Crawford's, you know, melon skincare. <laughs> I saw that this morning between uh, between uh, episodes of uh, the Battle of Britain because the Newsmax shows the Battle of Britain every morning. Same episode, right? The Nazis, the Stukas, <laughs> you know, the Messerschmitts, and then the Spitfires and Hurricanes. It's, 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 it's kind of a fun way to wake up. So they keep showing that. In the middle of this is Cindy Crawford uh, infomercial with this stupid melon that supposedly keeps you young looking. Anyway, why I, why I know I don't know. Led by Rajan Chakrabarty, Associate Professor of Energy, Environmental, and Chemical Engineering. That's a lot for one person. The team wanted to improve on the cumbersome process of relying on commercial air detectors that can only sample air and require additional PCR testing of the samples that can take as long as 24 hours to return results. Well, apparently, that used to be a short time for results. 24 hours used to be like a week. Now it's like 24 hours. I think it's a long time. The devices are, are also costly, ranging from thousands to tens of thousands of dollars per unit. Well, that's not good. After three years, they have developed a device they say performs even better than the commercial machines in lab testing and could, rate, could be scaled to cost a few cents per test. Now you're talking. But as you know, they want to spend more and more money on, uh, on COVID. So uh, the more money they spend, the happier they are. Uh, they want to keep borrowing money. Borrow money for illegals? What is it? Brandon wants $600 million, more million dollars, more, more money so he can put more illegals? Uh, oh, by the way. This is something I should talk, talk to Jonathan about. The, um, the idea of, of putting illegal aliens in, the, in a home, uh, considering, these, as far as I'm concerned, these are, are like soldiers. These are like soldiers that are being quartered in homes, and that's against the Third Amendment. Now, you never hear about the Third Amendment. Everybody knows the first, you know, speech, religion. Everybody knows about the second, guns. Everybody knows about the fourth, search and seizure, things like that. Nobody knows about the third. The third is quartering soldiers in your home. So the government cannot use your home, and especially a foreign government can't use your home to you know, feed their army. It doesn't work that way. So why would the government be able to use your home to feed an army of illegal aliens? seems to me that the illegal aliens are close enough to the soldiers that the Third Amendment applies. That no person can be quartered uh, in the home, uh, a private home. You know, the government cannot ask anybody if they will take a, an illegal alien into the, into the private home. No, no illegal alien can be quartered in a government school. You know, any, in fact, no legal alien can border in the government anything because we pay taxes on that. So we, we, we don't want them here. <laughs> you know, uh, it's illegal for them to be here. So why would, we, why would we allow the government to quarter people that can't be here in our schools? That makes no sense. So I, th- I believe the Third Amendment applies. If we have any sharp lawyers out there that want to take it to court, I should be the lawyer. Boy, I take all this stuff to court. I have so much fun. Article says the key to the new COVID-19 detector success is a super fast method of circulating air into the device that mimics a cyclone. Wow, this is kind of exciting. It pulls air uh, at about 1,000 liters a minute. That's a lot of air, folks. 1,000 <laughs> liters. Look at your two-liter bottles. You imagine 500 of those a minute worth of air going through this little machine? Anyway, it's just creating a, con- a conical, not a comical, a conical, C-O-N-N-S in November, uh, conical shape that traps any particles circulating in that flow. This actually does trap viruses. <laughs> okay, this is, this, is, this is not your mask that lets them go through. Since the device is equipped with a 
biosensor that does two things. First, it takes advantage of tiny molecules obtained from llamas that stick exceptionally well to the spike proteins of SARS-CoV-2 llamas. I don't want to figure it out. So SCARB2, to pull out any virus that might be present. Next, an electric current is passed through the biosensor and causes oxidation of a specific amino acid in the spike protein, the final reaction that verifies the presence of the SARS-CoV-2 virus. Don't you love real science? <laughs> real science is really good. I love real science. I just don't believe that Dr. Fascist uh, knows the slightest thing about science. All he knows is propaganda and grant writing, but that's another story, too. In lab tests, the device was 77 to 83% accurate. Pretty good. Detecting the COVID-19 virus, including its latest variants. Ooh, this thing's adaptable. It detects SARS-CoV-2, but cannot distinguish between different variants. When the researchers tested different con- concentrations of virus on their device, two completely available air detectors, uh, theirs was the only one able to detect low levels of viral genetic material in the form of RNA. Well, RNA is important because that's how what the people are shedding. <laughs> so all those people that are vaxxed and unhealthy and are shedding RNA, these air detectors will pick it up. So they'll probably know who had a vaccine and who didn't. Oh, but that, that'd be interesting. Then it says the team also sent prototypes to two people who tested positive for COVID-19 and who volunteered to use the device in their homes. Oh, that's interesting. Air samples accurately detected the virus in their respective bedrooms, where they do a lot of breathing, obviously. I'm not going to ask. <laughs> After five minutes of sampling. Mm, here we go. Viral RNA. Viral RNA. Now, I gotta say, I, I'm curious to see if it talks about uh, uh, the RNA from, from the vaxxed shedding, or it just says people will bring it out. I don't know. Let's find out. Viral RNA exhaled or expelled by an infected person, there we go, doesn't remain in droplet form, but becomes aerosolized into particles five Five ten micrometers in diameter for comparison to the diameter of a human hair is 40 to 70 micrometers. Given, oh, don't, don't move my picture here. Given that a room with a single infected individual can contain as few as 10 RNA copies of the SARS-CoV-2 virus per cubic meter of air, the odds of picking up something that small in a typical room is, almost, is about one in a million or one in a billion. It's like finding a needle in a haystack, said Chakrabarti. But because this device filters the air at such a velocity, it greatly increases the chances of picking up those microscopic viral particles. This is great, right? The beauty of this detection technique is that it's ultra-sensitive. I'm ultra-sensitive too, by the way. Says Chakrabati, based on the tests in the lab, he says it can likely detect the virus emitted from even a mildly infected person in a typical room. So we now have air detectors that can detect COVID in one person in a room. Well, you could probably detect it on an airplane too. So nobody has to wear a mask on an airplane if you're really worried about the people with COVID. Put them in the corner. <laughs> I mean, I don't even think you need to do that because most people are immune to COVID anyway, right? This is, and because the device is portable, oh boy, portable to your convenience, Chakrabarti expects that it could be used anywhere people, uh, people want to want immediate results on whether the COVID-19 is present, including their homes. Wow, you get your, kid coming, get your friend's kids coming in? Oh, sorry, you got COVID. You can't. They know. Well, my air tester. Well, I've been across the room. Yeah, well, it's really sensitive. Okay, fine. Building the detector costs, uh, oh, building the detector costs his lab a few thousand dollars. Well, that's nothing. But he anticipates that with mass production, uh, the cost will come down significantly. One disease detection company, Y2X Life Sciences, Mm-hmm. Based in New York, New York is hoping to license the technology from the university to do just that. So they probably got a grant, right? Universities get grants as other things, right? 
It's fascinating. So, uh, yeah, so these air detectors are so good um, that uh, you don't have to get a jab, you know, because everybody knows who has COVID. You can avoid the people that have COVID if you want to, or if you're immune to it, then who cares? It'd be interesting to see if they have a test for, for what happens when people are immune to COVID, have COVID, you know, in the system, but uh, it doesn't affect them. It's probably most of us at this point. He says, in addition to using the detector for immediate readings of COVID-19 in places like workspaces, classrooms, and airports, see, I told you, not to mention hospitals, Chakrabarti also anticipates the device can be part of building preventive public health strategies if they are installed in ducks to run out in 24 hours a day to detect viruses on whole floors or even a small building. There we go. So once it gets in the air system, then it can detect, because uh, it brings in so much air, it can detect COVID anywhere. And if other diseases-causing viruses come along, the biosensor test to detect those as well. Already, the research team is working on a device that could also identify influenza and RSV, whatever that is. Pretty cool. All right, it's 728. Let's take a little info break here, 728. And uh, I'll come back with a couple more. i got about like two more articles. see if I can get those before John gets here. And I'll be, here we go, right back. Here is your Action Radio contact and website information. The call-in line is 215-383-3832. Our show site is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Same link, live and a podcast. Please share all our shows. We have live chat at the bottom of the broadcast page available worldwide. Sign in to your free account and type away. We have an internet Skype line where you can call the show worldwide also. Please see the broadcast page for our Skype name. Call in during the show to get approved. Our bill writing site is writeyourlaws.com. W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S. Writeyourlaws.com. This is where anyone can write a bill and start the process of it becoming law. My paid and free subscription column is at gregpenglis.substack.com. Please consider a paid subscription of $5 per month or greater. For contributions to Action Radio, please go to givesendgo.com slash actionradio. We have over 20 Action Radio Facebook groups. Use the Facebook search window by putting in Action Radio to find our groups. My public email is greg at writeyourlaws.com. Please contact me about advertising on Action Radio and helping our mission of freedom. Thank you for listening. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com.
Well, that sounds good. Even better. Okay, how about your car? If you want the best service for your vehicle, please talk to James at Florida Stores Automotive, conveniently located at 6715 Caroline Street in the historic district of Milton, Florida, right between the Milton Bakery and the Blackwater Trail. Whether you need an oil change or an entire engine replaced, this is the place. The phone number is 850-623-6651. That's 850-623-6651. Call, ask questions, and get the information you need. Florida Stores Automotive is a full-service automotive shop for both domestic and imports, modern and classic. It is a family-owned business here in our Milton community. Open weekdays from 7.30 to 5 p.m., Florida Stars Automotive is a convenient place to keep your car maintained and on the road. Ask them about Firestone Tires and the rotation and maintenance plan. Florida Stars Automotive. I go there. You should, too. Action Radio. Part of the ADHD Radio Network. The ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take, that is Action Radio. Well, I thought I'd better do the show standing up now. I am so beat. It's crazy. But uh, no one's calling in. 215-383-3832. Mark was here. I guess he's started holiday already, so he's not uh, typing in from the Netherlands. Um, and I'm just uh, I'm beat up from yesterday. You try working in 100-degree heat right, all day, and then it pours rain on you. <laughs> you and then, So you're soaking wet from sweat, then you're soaking wet from rain. <laughs> so you're still soaking wet, right? And then, the, uh, then the, the temperature drops from 100 down to 75, which is nice, but then you get freezing cold. So it was an interesting day. <laughs> anyway, um, here's one from WebMD. It's basically the same device, but they got slightly different, different information. But it's just fascinating to me that, uh, you know, and we could start a movement on this, you know, nationwide. So anybody starts talking about, you know, masks and mandates, says, no, we just get air testers. We've already got air testers. You don't need anything else. That's what, that is exactly why I'm doing this show today, so that everybody can take this show and take it to your boss, take it to your airline, take it to uh, Brandon, <laughs> you know, take it anywhere you want, and say, no. We don't need COVID shots. We don't need masks. We don't need PCR tests. We don't need social distancing. We don't need any of that crap. We don't need lockdowns. Simply just get some air testers. And you can actually find people with COVID. Oh, boy. Um, which is kind of interesting. And I don't know if that's an invasion of privacy per se, but considering they take your temperature and doing all kinds of other things and investigating you and contact tracing, and they don't have to do anything. They don't have to do contact tracing. They don't have to do anything, right? Just uh, just to have, have air testers. In fact, you don't even have to isolate a person. Just, oh, we've got some COVID in the air. Those who want to wear a mask can. And the rest of you, we've still got the usual flu, typhoid, cholera, diphtheria. Everything else is still in the air that was always in the air that you never worried about because you didn't know about it. You know, so a lot of stuff's still in the air. 
you know, measles, mumps, rubella, <laughs> you know, uh, plague. <laughs> all these things are still in the air. Everything's in the air. You know, you don't see it because it's real tiny. But uh, all those things everybody's worried about, still in the air. hasn't gone anywhere. Everybody's just worried about COVID because that's the popular fad. They're using that to steal the election. Oh, yeah, we're calling the new, um, the new variant, the COVID election variant. <laughs> it seems appropriate. All right, so this is WebMD, and this is by Lisa O'Mary, two first names. July 10th, 2023, so about the same time as the previous article. An air monitor made by researchers at Washington University in St. Louis. Well, it's territory. Uh, can detect COVID-19 in a room with an infected person within five minutes. Mm. Are they going to be in every classroom? <laughs> you, see, you, don't need, you don't need to close the schools down either, right? Yeah, and, you, and you don't need to send people home if they've been exposed to someone who they think had COVID. Because it's either in the room or it's not. <laughs> you know? So if a person's infected with COVID, you, know, you might get one person. Okay? Uh, but you don't have to send everybody home. You, know? you, you have one person the, and see if they have any symptoms. If they have any symptoms, you might send them home. If they don't, then don't worry about it. Anyway, it says the project was a collaboration among researchers from the university's engineering and medical schools. See, that's a good col- collaboration, engineering and medicine. It says Nature Communications, that's, I guess that's the, uh, place, the first place I got it from, published the results of, their, no, it was Time Magazine. Nature Communications is the people that originally did this, published the results of their work in the journal's Monday edition. One of the challenges the team had to overcome is that detecting a virus in a room full of air is like finding a needle in a haystack. Researcher and associate engineering professor Rajan Chakrabarti, who we, you know, PhD, said in a statement. We heard him in the first one. Well, okay, so yeah, so if you de- detecting the virus is one thing, detecting who has the virus is something else. That might be, I don't know if that borders on invasion of privacy and HIPAA. I'm not sure, but detecting a virus in the room, it's, if it's a public room, go for it. If it's a if it's a private house, go for it. You know, if you want to get your own detectors, but uh, I think uh, an industrial basis is no reason why people shouldn't have. Uh, have uh, COVID detectors. Why not? You know, anyway, it says the device stands just 10 inches tall and one foot wide. Looks like a toaster. <laughs> and it's considered a proof of concept. Well, it's a good thing it wasn't a proof of, non-proof of concept. It says the next step would be to implement the technology into a prototype to see how commercial or household design could be achieved. Hmm. Have your own COVID air tester. Probably wear one in a backpack. <laughs> the researchers foresee potential for the device to be used in hospitals and schools, yes, as well as to be able to detect other respiratory viruses such as influenza and respiratory syncytial? Syn- 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 it sounds like it's Mike of its word. Syncytial. Let me spell it. S-Y-N-C-Y-T-I-A-L. Sensational virus. I asked Judy about this. You know, Judy Mikovits is who's my bud, right? She's telling me about these COVID air testers. I think it's fascinating. Anyway, current methods used for detecting viruses in the air take between one and 24 hours to collect. That was from the previous article. The existing methods usually require skilled labor, resulting in a process that doesn't allow for real-time information uh, that could translate into reducing the risk of the spread. See, the thing is they can test it immediately. This is why it's good on an airplane, right? We don't need a mask. And then if they detect some COVID, they say, well, if you want to wear a mask, we've detected some COVID on board this airplane. Okay, fine. Me, I still wouldn't wear one because i got a great immune system. And I, I get exposed to COVID all the time. I don't care. I've had it. I'm immune. All right. Article says the team tested their device in both laboratory experiments where they released aerosolized SARS-CoV-2 into a room-sized chamber, as well as in the apartments of two people who were COVID positive. Quote, there's nothing... At the moment, that tells us how safe a room is, Washington University neurology professor John Cirito, Ph.D., in a statement. If you are in a room with 100 people, you don't want to find out five days later whether you could be sick or not. The idea with this device is that you can know essentially in real time or every five minutes if there is live virus in the air. <laughs> okay, well, that's kind of cool. 
you know. But, but but the main thing is, see, the reason this is significant for me is not that everybody can, you know, constantly monitor, was well, any COVID out there? Oh, no, there might be COVID. But the thing is, you, you can use this to get rid of all the mandates, okay? That's what's significant to me. You know, you don't need a PCR test if you have an air tester, right? So nobody needs to get a test. You don't need uh, a mask mandate if you know when the, where the COVID is, and then people can choose to wear one, all right? So, so all those people driving around with masks in your cars with your windows up, you idiots, stop doing that. They're the COVID air testers. Anyway, it says the goal is to, is to develop commercially uh, available air quality monitor. You know who doesn't want this? The government and Pfizer. <laughs> they don't because they want you to take uh, a, a jab, you know, a, a deadly or potentially uh, crippling jab. They much rather have you do that and make money. Uh, and the government wants control. So that's why you've probably never heard about this story because the government wants control. So if, if we have air testers, we don't need the government, right? We need to get our own air testers and we'll know exactly where the COVID is. Oh, wouldn't that be terrible? <laughs> Here we go. Here's a different one. Here's a new one. This is uh, science news, independent journalism since 1921. Again, real science, something that the government knows nothing about. A device can detect the coronavirus in the air in minutes. The detector is about as sensitive as a PCR test, but quicker. Let me say that again. The detector is about as sensitive as a PCR test, but quicker. Isn't that great? So you don't need PCR tests. So we've got an air test, right? So, oh, so much for the PCR test industry. See, they used to lie on those things, right? They would lie on those. They would cycle it 40 times so that even if you had a, a minimal amount of, of uh, COVID, they'd amplify the results so much that everybody had COVID. You know, see, having COVID in your system doesn't give you COVID. Having enough COVID to overwhelm your immune system gives you COVID. See the difference? Okay. So one, just having COVID. I mean, everybody has COVID in the system. Everybody in the world has, by now has COVID in the system. Okay. Do we all have COVID? No. Because you have to have enough COVID to overwhelm your immune system. That's when you get sick from it. Anyway, the article is July 2016th. Tina Hessman Say, S-A-E-Y, Tina Say, there we go, as opposed to Tina Fey that, you know, mimicked uh, um, Palin. Sarah Palin did not say, I can see Russia from my window. Tina Fey did. God, she has to correct everything. Tina Say says, if you've ever thought it would be great to walk into a room and know whether the virus that causes COVID-19 is hanging around, scientists have a device for you. Researchers have created a machine a little bigger than a toast. <laughs> this is my analogy, right? That can detect airborne SARS-CoV-2 coronavirus in minutes. It takes only five minutes to detect. This may all be the same machine. I don't know. I might have uh, read some of this, but that's okay. Different articles, same perspective. It doesn't matter how many machines there are. At least there's one. It takes only five minutes to, de- uh, to detect as few as seven to 35 viral particles per liter of air. Seven to 35 particles? That's nothing. Because then I wonder how many viral particles it takes to make you sick. All right. This is researchers report July 10th in Nature Communications. Okay, same article. That is about as sensitive as a PCR nasal swab. See, each one of these articles has a different take on it. Okay, that's why I think it's, it's good to read different articles, right? So if, if it's as sensitive as a PCR nasal swab, you don't need a PCR nasal swab. Besides, you don't want someone poking that stuff into your brain anyway. Those tests are dangerous, not because of the cotton, but because they jab them so far up your nose. But there was, isn't it interesting that they've, they've got a test, they've got a machine now that made these things obsolete after everybody had their nose, you know, brain damage. Wow. Anyway, so that's Rajan Chakrabarti, uh, an aerosol scientist at Washington State. Oh, he's an aerosol scientist. Washington University in St. Louis, his team worked nonstop for three years to create the detector. I remember hearing about these years ago, so I'm not sure why they had to work three years, but that's okay. One of the main challenges when sampling airborne viruses is collecting enough air to concentrate. All right, there we go. And we talked about how much air this thing traps. 
little cyclone machine. See, we've got something different on this. The biosensor consists of an electrode attached to a llama nanobody. What? A specialized immune system protein made by llamas and their relatives that flight, fights infections much the way antibodies do, but is smaller and perhaps tougher than human antibodies. Oh, so we're now going to take llama antibodies? Well, <laughs> okay, fine. Llama antibodies. This is really getting interesting. Biosensor is based on a detector for the amyloid beta protein fragments that form Alzheimer's disease. Plaques developed by Chakrabarty's colleagues, Carla Uridi and John Cerrito. Interesting. Yeah, there's more science stuff here, but I'm getting kind of bored. Huh. They demonstrated that it works. Let's whoop. Uh, almost knocked over my water. They demonstrated that it works. Uh, it's able to detect the virus at low levels that we would be uh, concerned about in the air. And that's Lindsay Marr, an aerosol scientist. Another aerosol scientist. Who never heard of an aerosol scientist? Apparently there are some. The study of tiny microscopic droplets. <laughs> you know, this is, then there's some chance. Aerosols can stay in the air. Okay, so droplets fall because they're too heavy. Droplets are like rain. They fall. But aerosolized particles are small enough, uh, they still stay in the air. They hang in the air. They get suspended in the air. Like you, you people think chemtrails are, but that's another story. There are some still challenges to overcome. The device is about as noisy as a vacuum cleaner or a ringing phone. Well, that's not good. Uh, such detectors cost between $1,400 and $1,900 to build in a research lab. So how much do they cost to buy once they're in mass production? 500 bucks? 200 bucks? Who knows? The devices can be linked to into HVAC systems. Oh, there we go. This is interesting. It says commercial versions may be initially too expensive for home use. Okay, fine. Besides, people at home know who's sick because <laughs> they're all family, right? Mars says, but it could be used in hospitals, airports, and other public areas to survey for the virus. Well, that's interesting. The devices could be, yeah, be, yeah put one on the southern border. <laughs> put a bunch of these on the southern border. Have everybody, all the illegal aliens who are walking into this country just to have, a, have an air detector for COVID. Wouldn't that be fascinating? So you'll never see one there. You'll never see one at the southern border because they don't want to know who has COVID. They just want to bring in the aliens, the illegals. Then it says the device could be linked to HVAC. That's uh, what, heat ventilation, air conditioning, I guess that's what it's called, systems, which could ramp up ventilation and filtration if the virus is found. Yeah, how about filters? they have filters for the virus? I don't know. In the future, Chakrabarti, that's Chakrabarti, hopes to add llama nanobodies that can detect other respiratory viruses well. Okay, well, there's a na- llama section out there before. I'm not going to worry about that. It's pretty funny, though. Uh, I think there's one more article I have. I, th- I hope this is a different machine. We'll find out in a minute. We'll get Jonathan in a few minutes. That'll be fun, too. Uh, smoke detector for COVID-19. And let me see if we can get this. This is a simple white box. can monitor your air for pathogens. Life may never be the same. Hopefully this one's different. Mark Wilson, six-minute read. Fast Company is the name of the company. Oh, this is from a couple of years ago. Okay, this is interesting. All right, so I knew, I knew their articles because I knew I'd done this before, right? This one's from uh, November 10th of 2021. So this article is two years older than those other ones. So they say all this new stuff and took three years to develop. Well, here's one from two years ago, pal. <laughs> you know, you didn't have to, well, I, we just, we, we could have had smoke. We could have had uh, COVID detectors for two years now. Well, two years is when the virus, when the, 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 uh, the bogus COVID uh, gene shot came out. What? 2021. This is from 1121. So this is the end of the year. Hmm. A smoke detector for COVID-19, the simple white box can monitor your air for pathogens. Life may never be the same. Mark Wilson says, imagine sitting at your desk when you get a slack alert from your building manager. You're told that while no one appears sick, 
COVID-19 has been detected near your cubicle. Bum, 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 bum. You calmly pack up your things and head home. Over the next few days, you get tested for COVID-19. Luckily, the results are negative. But it ends up that a younger, that your manager was positive. <laughs> so your manager's trying to get you sick, right? Your manager is positive. And with a heads up, she was able, or she, okay, was able to get onto antivirals before the infection worsened and someone else got sick. Of course, they should have said hydroxychloroquine, but they can't say that, right? Anyway, so there you go. It says, this is not the future of COVID-19 detection. It is the present, oh boy. Because since 2019, oh, wait a minute. Since 2019, before before COVID-19 was on anyone's mind, entrepreneur Sam Molyneux, M-O-Y-L-N-E-U-X, must be French, and Elizabeth Cayley, C-A-L-E-Y, not French, along with microbiologist Daniela Bezdan, founded a company called Poppy. Just like it sounds, P-O-P-P-Y, Poppy. Poppy, for Poppy, the plan was to build a device that could collect the omnipresent stew of viruses floating in the air of places like hospitals and cruise ships, send them to a lab, and use DNA analysis to spot the scariest pathogens like influenza and MRSA that can make these, these spaces so infectious. So don't forget, this was before COVID. No, 21, no. 2019 was before COVID. That was their plan. 2021, when this article came out, was obviously after COVID. All right. So that's what they tried to do. So even before, now, isn't that interesting? Even before, 2019, what else happened in 2019? I don't know. Event 201, the COVID plan, <laughs> World Economic Forum. It's called COVID-19 because it was made, you know, it was, it was released in, COVID, in, in 2019. So back in 2019, they're writing about, no, 2021, they're writing about a machine that they wanted in 2019 that would detect for COVID. That's fascinating. Great timing, guys. It's like they, they, they knew ahead of time it was going to come out. What a surprise. Then, then it says, then COVID-19 hit. By late 2020, Poppy launched as a subscription service, and now it's installed in 40 locations, 40 locations across North America, including offices, theaters, and international airport, and a super yacht. Right. While COVID-19 air detectors have been developed for the military and other specialized industries, they, these are expensive industrial machines offered by companies like Smith's Detection, and Chromec. Yeah, but they're, bet that they're, they're, they're hugely expensive. Anyways, this Poppy is designed more like an everyday smoke detector, but built to spot COVID-19 instead of smoke. This is really interesting, right? This is a, it consists of nothing more than a router-sized white box, you know, installed in various intervals about a, uh, about a space. It's like a bunch of smoke detectors. We wanted something friendly to put in the living room or, uh, or onto a, a kitchen counter as well as a boardroom on a Fortune 5 company. Fortune 500 company. So Poppy continuously samples the air. <laughs> I think Poppy's interesting. Remember opium poppies? I just, I don't know why I just find that interesting. Poppy continuously samples the air by a collection tray that looks like a lot like a COVID-19 test strip. Mm. Using static electricity to pull viruses in without a loud fan. Each day a building manager sends these strips to a lab where analysis is done using a highly accurate lamp test, L-A-M-P. The methodology proved to be effective in identifying SARS-CoV-2 in previous peer-reviewed research conducted by a team that included Besden and Poppy Scientific Board Advisor Chris Mason, who is an associate professor at Cornell University. Poppy provides results via a simple online dashboard, which arrive either the same day or the next morning. The system is also capable of spotting 1,000 other pathogens in the air. Wow. Like the seasonal flu, uh, for an added cost and added turnaround time of three days. Three days, while not instantaneous, can still catch cases relatively early. 
That means no, that means the rest of the company doesn't get sick either, right? Three days. Uh, then it says the the company also plans to get rapid COVID nineteen detection onto its actual devices within the next year to expedite testing for everyone. So far, most clients are testing only for COVID nineteen. That's the only thing they care about. Everybody can you know you can have uh, you know typhoid flowing through the air. Oh, I better get the COVID nineteen. Typhoid is a lot more deadly, by the way. Dengue fever, berry berry, not berry berry. Dengue fever, you know, all these different things that go that they're aerosolized. You know, those are the dangerous ones. So we basically said, what if we could switch, you know, where biotech was was focused uh, from who's who has got what to instead what is where. That's interesting. Kelly says the the when then the pandemic hit and of course with an airborne pathogen is made what is where an urgent question for everybody. Yeah. Hmm. There we go. So that's the, the, a little bit more here. Uh, it's interesting. We're learning that spaces do matter, that the particulars of the built environment and its ventilation can make pathogens linger in the air or even condense into certain nooks and crannies of the space. Not sure the difference between a nook and a cranny, but sounds good. COVID-19 terrorized cruise ships specifically because of their design. Secondly, Poppy's approach involves a pool testing groups of people, much as we've seen with group saliva tests. Oh, exciting. That's about COVID-19 hotspots quickly, but instead of making people take a test, the air does the heavy lifting. So the testing is completely passive and doesn't require debates about personal liberties. The virus, after all, is floating in common space. Yes, COVID's in the air, folks. COVID's in the air everywhere. Don't worry about it. It's there. You know, if you're going to get, if you're, if you're, if you're susceptible to it, then uh, take precautions. If you're not, especially if you've already had it, don't worry about it. You don't see me worrying about COVID, walking around every day, being out in the fresh air and, you know, working with people constantly. Because I'm not. I'm not worried about it at all. All right. Let's take another quick break here. What is it? 7.53? Because once I get Jonathan and once I get uh, Dorothy, chances are I won't be uh, taking breaks again. So let me just do a couple more things for you here. And we'll get this all taken care of. But pretty much cover what I wanted to cover. So life is good. I got that. I got that. I got that. Let's go here. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't. Which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care. And now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Grace Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is gracecare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at gracecare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Great care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. This is Greg Penglis for Strike Force, your source for pure energy. Strike Force is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strike Force. So our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code WYL to the discount code window at checkout. WYL comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So 
you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strikeforce is at StrikeforceEnergy.com. That's StrikeforceEnergy.com. Start your engine. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system. You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed. Joe Biden's Dark winter. No freedom, no liberty, no guns, no representation, no oil, no coal, no nuclear power, no space force, no constitution, no family gatherings, no vacations, just taxes, work, misery, masks, lockdowns, and ever more government. This is what will happen if you let Marxists steal the election. This has been a public service announcement of Action Radio, reminding you it's time to get off your butt and save your country. Action Radio. Dangerously cool. Okay, we're back. I've got uh, a new friend listening, so I'm really excited about that. Um, just a couple of minutes before Jonathan gets here, and we can talk about a lot of legal issues that are that are going on out there. Um, it's going to be there's something. Well, I talked about this in the, in the early part of the show, and I think it's going to be quite fascinating to to uh, look into this more. The left, I think, is convinced that if they quote take out Trump and get him off the ballot and, and throw him in jail and indict him so many times, everybody thinks he's a criminal. That somehow everything stops. That conservatism patriotism, you know, individual rights, everything just stops. It's like they'll end the movement and the deep state will be free and, you know, to carry on all their tyranny and privilege and wealth and status and, you know, keep going over their agenda to have us, you know, eat bugs and not own anything and, you know, not to have any electricity except what little they give us and that kind of thing. It's just not going to happen. Well, Jonathan's here. Well, let me bring him. Actually, let me play his uh, his theme, and then I'll bring him. On. I want to talk about this further because we've got the Fourteenth Amendment. We've got some other things going on, but I think that that uh, one of the greatest uh, forces out there, still yet to be released, is us at Action Radio, and we the people, you know, uh, writing the laws and advocating the laws that we consent to be governed by. And it just doesn't all center on Trump. So they think they're gonna, they think they can put Trump in jail or take him off the ballot, that everything stops, and it's just simply not going to do that. So I got a new theme for Jonathan. I played it for the first time last week. Uh, I'm just uh, quickly strolling through my my many, and I have too many actually, um, uh, things here for for his. Where did I put it? I put it on Mosley. I hate when I do this. 
<laughs> if I can't find his theme, uh, which is no. Ah, here we go. Okay, so let's get to Jonathan and the legal report. What is the law? Are we under the rule of law? Does that mean those who make the laws rule us? Aren't we under the consent of we the people, where we write the laws we consent to be governed by and rule the government? Who is the law? Is it the Supreme Court, the President, the Congress, the states? Can you take the law into your own hands? Is there any time the law isn't in your own hands? In a country under a coup d'etat and a stolen government, there is no law. But there are a whole bunch of things being done in the name of law. And now, with this state of confusion and contradiction, let's try to find a way out together by using the law. Because if our government of the people, by the people, and for the people means anything, it means we the people are the law. And now to try and make some sense of all this and use the law as it was meant to be used to find our way back to freedom, it's time now for The Legal Report with Jonathan Mosley. Good morning, Jonathan. Good morning. Hi. How are you doing? Oh, I'm sorry. I love, I love my new theme. All right. <laughs> We got a bunch to talk about. I had this thought, though, and I want to kind of pursue this with you a little bit before we get into details, that it just occurred to me that uh, these people are so obsessed with Trump. And I think the reason is they think if they just stop him, that everything else stops, that there'll be no patriots. There are no conservatives. There are no libertarians. No one's going to pick up the baton. No one's going to run with it. And and this is why our approach at Action Radio, I think, is so critical because we're not trying to there's no I'm not the leader. I mean, I'm, I'm just the messenger. All right. I mean, I've got a lot of ideas, you know, as I say, you know, uh, you know, God puts the ideas in my head and the rest, is, you know, I just talk about it. But the, what we try to do here is educate everybody so that we have as many leaders as possible. Everybody can become their own leader. Everybody can share a bill. Everybody can share a show. Everybody can, can take an action. So there is no one person. We're completely diffused, which is totally different than Trump, who's kind of like centered things on himself, on, I think, by default. I don't think he tried to do it, but it just looks like everything because he's the only one that was willing to stand up. And they've centered on him so much that he's become like this massive target. But I think they're wrong. And I don't think they see that uh, there's more to, to patriotism and individuality and, and our rights than just one person. What do you think? I know that's a lot. I haven't really thought about it, but that's kind of my feeling this morning. No, I absolutely think that that's, that's the, the, the core of what, what's going on. You know, the, uh, okay. I mean, just in terms of how old the idea is, Jesus said that if you strike the shepherd, the sheep will scatter. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I think that, you know, that's very much what's going on here. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to talk about, I think, the um, get under the hood, the nuts and bolts of, all the, of, of a lot of these different prosecutions and things against, against Trump. So it's, this mm-hmm. is sort of, this is in the theme of what I, what I plan to talk about, not that best lane laid plans of likes and men. <laughs> oh, no, no, I think La- it's, I want but, to talk about this, but, but I wanted to preface it with this idea that well, there's, I think there's it's a lot, true. You know, no. Go ahead. Well, I, no, I, it's absolutely true. I think that people, uh, I, you know, again, I have worked in Washington off and on, you know, the Washington pro, uh, larger scale and, and a lot of political things since, um, since I moved up there and interned in a congressman's office in 1985. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, 
you know, so I, I think I, you know, to me, a lot of their attitudes are sort of second nature, not only mm-hmm. specific details and specific events, but just the way, the way of thinking. And, and I am, uh, I am utterly baffled by how incapable um, the political world is of learning. It's like they have, mm-hmm. they have, I mean, to say they have, I mean, children with learning disabilities do a better job learning than the political <laughs> world does. Um, so to say to say that they have learning disabilities is an insult to you know to to children with learning disabilities. Um, they they just they just are. I mean, and the same, we're seeing the same thing in the military sphere, things like that. People they're just not able to comprehend um, that they're wrong, and so I think that they um, they are. Uh, dealing with with that, I mean, not only not only do they have the understanding that they that they think that um, Trump is a flash in the pan, you know, it's a momentary aberration. They mm-hmm. thought that about Reagan. Let me be clear, you know, I I got involved in actually in 1984. I worked on the Reagan uh, Bush campaign for the University of Florida, which you think well, it's just a university, but it's a, it's a huge. University, no, that's big and, deal. yeah, and the universe, the university dominates the town. So, um, you know, so it was, a, it was, a, it was a big deal, and we we spent a lot of time arguing with liberals, and um, they, uh, um, I, I don't know that I'm listed on it. I hesitate. I, I hasten to add, I don't know that I'm listed on any records because Tony Ring was the chairman, and he appointed me his. His his second for the thing, but I don't know if he ever submitted any paperwork on it. But mm. but the thing is that so so this this attitude has been going on for a long time. It, let me tell you that that today we go back and we revere, we look back and revere Ronald Reagan. At the mm. time, he was crazy. He's going to get us into a nuclear war. He's um, you know he's a nut job. Anybody, I mean, if you, I mean, there's no way Reagan could win. You know, he's too yeah, conservative. That. Yeah. I mean, I graduated just, 81 just, from college. So in, yeah. in 82, I was in Europe and I remember going to uh, demonstrations and they call him, you know, the nuclear cowboy. And I remember being in London uh, and around England and France and different places. They're all protesting Reagan. They thought he was going to blow the world up. It was, it was hysterical. So you got, you got all backwards. Was, no. Yeah. No. And, and it's interesting that, you know, if you look back, just like mm-hmm. with Trump, just like with anybody, there was never anything you could point to about Ronald Reagan that would make you think in the slightest that he was going to start any wars. I mean, the only, the only, again, the only thing he wasn't going to do was let, let us get pushed around. But, but this whole idea that, that, you know, that we're, we're going to have a nuclear war because Reagan is president, it was completely fabricated, absolutely, totally invented. Um, and, that has always been. I mean, the left is demented. I mean, this is this is the thing. Is like you're around it long enough, and you realize that these people, they're they're not just like they say, they're not just ordinary decent people, just like us who just have some slightly different opinions. No, they're demented. Um, and um, you know, most of them, whether they believe it or not, they reject God, and that means that you're in darkness. Their, 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 you know, their brains have, it's like, it's like well, the radio show. 
Oh, hey, host in DC. He says, he says, their brains, they are, they're a broke. She's a broke. Um, yeah. Well, the deep state is a weird psychology in itself. Now, it's, it's, going back to my original statement about the, the, the fact that they think Trump is the leader. Everything the left does is projected. So you know what their crimes are, you know, by, by what they accuse us of. We know they stole the election, if for nothing else, so they keep saying that we stole the election or, or we're trying to overturn the election. Well, there wasn't an election. Yeah. Now they say we're trying to overturn the results of the election, which I find fascinating. So it's not, not, it's not overturning the election anymore. It's overturning the results. Well, they, they basically created the results, so we're trying to overturn – we're trying to correct the results that caused them to steal the election. That's what they're actually saying. But does the deep state – have because uh, everything is projected from the left. Do they have a similar hierarchy? Uh, does it does it go up the chain of command through the uh, through the FBI minions, apparatchiks, to Chris Ray, to the Attorney General Garland, to maybe his you know leader Obama, to the World Economic Forum, you know, and Bill Gates? I mean, is there a hierarchy like they think we have? Because they think Trump is the leader and everybody else follows him. It's, it's simply not true. A lot of really independent oh. folks out here, like like us at Action Radio. How does the deep? How is the deep state structured? I don't think we ever really talked about well, that. Well, this is this is. Um, I, I mean, absolutely. I mean, this is exactly okay. the thing. Is that is that their 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 madness about the right mm-hmm. is is a reflection of how they operate. Hmm. You know, for example, they think that we believe in Trump. Because we believe in the policies that uh, make America great again, because we've been hoodwinked by one leader. That's hmm. because they're all they're all a cult of, of, of leadership. They they you know the, everything that they and it's true. You know it is when you say that everything they say about uh, about us is really true of them. Mm-hmm. It isn't Projection. so much that this is some complicated plan. It's just that they just can't conceive of any other universe. Hmm. You know, it, it's not that it's not that they're sitting. Now they are crafty, mm-hmm. but it's, but it's not that they're sitting there being being crafty and saying that because you know, hey, let's just say let's say these things about the right. It's like no, they really live in a world in which nothing else exists, in which in which um, individuals don't think. They don't think. They don't. They, I mean, they, they assume that we're reacting out of um, out of base motives because they can't comprehend anything else in their own lives. Um, so, so yeah, it's 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 bad out there. Um, and um, so anyway, the the, the point so being that's is the natural that, yes, order, then, right? That's the natural order. Uh-huh. They, 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 they don't have God, right? So they don't, have, they don't believe that rights come from God. They believe rights come from them because they are government. And so they don't believe in anything except themselves. And this is the natural order. The natural order is a supremacy of, you know, the Marxist left governing everybody. And we will tell you what to do because we know better. We know that you don't need light bulbs. We know that you shouldn't have gas stoves. We know that electricity is the only power source you can have. We know that carbon dioxide makes the world warmer and we're all going to die. We know these things, even though none of that is true. But they know it. <laughs> you know, it's, it's this well, massive delusionment. But they're, but they're in power. That's the problem. Well, they're, they're in power in part because they're a whole, the whole concept is, you know, th- this is the generation that screamed and got whatever they wanted. Okay. And they, I mean, fundamentally, the left are, are infants in adult bodies. 
I mean, if you, the only way you can understand the left is like that, that they, are, they are emotional infants. Yep. And um, so, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what truth is. It only matters that they scream and, mm-hmm. and, and somebody gives them whatever they want. I mean, the thing is you have to understand what people have said about the left is that you can never give them anything because they just yeah. want more. Mm-hmm. You know, no, no matter what, you know, if you, if you, you know, if you, there's a photograph of the FBI people like kneeling before Black Lives Matter. <laughs> I mean, they're, they, and they're never satisfied. They will never, there is never a time when they will say, this is what we want, give us what we want. If you give them what they want, what they really want is just, is just to, to um, un, it's just to assert their, you know, their childish attitudes and boss people around. They, they are, they are fascists. They are what communism is. Communism is not a nationality. There's not, there's no Russian communism. There's no Chinese communism. It came out of the faculty lounges of Germany and Austria and it just infected Russia and infected China. And it's, and it's going to, and it's infecting us. Didn't do well so um, Germany and Austria the either. Is, <laughs> yeah. The thing is, even that has more rationality to it yeah. than, than the, 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 the children of the, the you know, the, the children of the um, hippies and the activists of the, of the 60s and 70s. You know, mm. th- this, this generation is just, they, they don't think at all. They just, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's purely emotional um, and so, um, um, I mean, there's some of the things that, some of the things that are happening, they have a, we did, they just had a judge where a, a man joined a sorority and the judge, <laughs> yes, a man, ju- you know, a, a, a man joined a sorority mm-hmm. and some sorority members sued, mm-hmm. um, to assert the, uh, you know, the, the, the definition of woman. And um, the judge threw it out, threw the lawsuit out, because he said, well, you know, it's, it's, not, up for, it's not up to us to decide what a woman is, <laughs> which, of course, is, is insanity, because if you say, you know, if, you, if, if I sell you my car, right. and the judge, you know, the judge can't say, well, it's not up to me to decide what a car is. Yes, it is. <laughs> you know, if it's a common, if it's like if you say I'm I'm selling you my house mm-hmm. for a hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars, and then I give you an orange, say, well, that's mm-hmm. that's what I consider to be my house. The judge is going to say, no, that's not the what the English word house means. Yeah. And so, but this judge wanted to, wanted to dodge the whole thing by saying that, well, it's not up to me to decide what a woman is that's you know that that's within the within the the sorority um i'm not going to get involved was the judge male or female was judge male or female was the judge male i think male was he married good question i don't know (laughs) yeah um there was another judge and i forgot are you still there I lost you. Hello. Uh, 
Hello. Greg is going to get hit by a hurricane, but not for another two days. Are you there? Hello. I'm not hearing you. Hello, Greg. Can you hear me? This might be a, I don't know if anybody else can hear me. This might be a time to uh, ask for donations for the electric bill. No, I'm, I'm sure that's not it. Um, please donate generously to Action Radio. Yeah, I'm on my cell phone. Um, it looks like I need a new cord for my mic. This happened once before last week. So I'll take care of this. Uh, so we should so see. What? Yeah. No, I'm here. I just, uh, my, my phone cut out, my microphone cut out again. Usually when it does that, it means the cord is bad. Um, so, but I, this one's yeah. fairly new. So it shouldn't, uh, it shouldn't be doing that this, this early. Usually I change my cords about every six months on the microphone. But apparently this one seems to have gone a lot earlier, so I have to get it did it last week too, so I gotta get a new record. All right, not a problem. I can deal with it. Ugh. So anyway, so what we were gonna what I was gonna get into here is how um you know, some some of the details. Now we have gone, you know, here the listeners to um Action Radio, we've had a a preview of a lot of the legal issues and what, um, what uh, you know, where this is leading and what the problem is. And so uh, sometimes when the news breaks, um, we've already covered it uh, ahead of time, and, you, know, here on, you know, here on things. But we want to still go through some of these things. Now, you, you may have, uh, re- you may recall that I've been fairly critical of Trump's um, ahem, air quotes, legal team, our lawyers. Um, and, you know, because there are things I know they could be doing before they, beforehand, and they're not. Um, you know, they ha- and, and I, you know, I published an article a year ago, July, um, about, the, about the, um, the Georgia situation. And now the Gateway Pundit, is tearing tearing into some of the weaknesses in these in these legal actions against Trump, and um, not his lawyers, mind you, the Gateway Pundit. Uh, so right. the thing is now the thing even the Gateway Pundit, as great as they are, as critical as they are, because everybody else, um, you know, all the other news outlets like that are just they just don't do anything. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's pretty. There's something wrong when the Gateway Pundit, as good as they are, is about all there is. Um, you know, at the at the front line of um, of exposing the truth and and, and getting the information out there. Um, just a couple of years, Revolver, uh, Revolver News, sometimes just the news. John Solomon. There's a few, but there aren't many. Oh, 
Even just the, the news. Side. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but just, just the news is usually exposing revelations that are astonishing, um, but they're not so much the analysis that, that right. you get. So, so the Gateway Pundit is just pointing out um, the amazing things where, um, you know, that in, in Georgia, there was a lawsuit filed mm-hmm. by the Trump campaign. Um, they didn't get around to filing it until about December 31st, which on the one hand is pathetic. On the other hand, it is um, it is uh, um, good that they that that they got their fa- facts together, their act together, their facts together. So they filed a lawsuit about the about the election in Georgia, um, which again is is a is a slam on the Republican Party. And I'll have to explain in a minute. And they had I don't know like two thousand pages of evidence that were exhibits in the lawsuit in Georgia. You know, they say, oh, there's never been any evidence. Oh, yeah, really? What, what's this 2,000 pages of, of exhibits here? Because um, when you file a lawsuit, especially electronically, you attach, you can attach things to it. Um, right. And they did. So, so they um, attach that. And, and when you file a federal lawsuit, and, and state lawsuits often follow similar rules, you are required to have a phone call where you consult with the other side. Um, the idea being that it limit it, it uh, and it's not it's not a specific order, although it can be, but but it's it's the general rules of court, which are basically orders, but they're standing they're like standing orders. So Trump had a a phone call with um, the other side as he's required to do, and the requirements are, what are you looking for? Does this sound familiar? He's saying, oh, I just want to find. You know, the 11,000 votes at one point, he says loosely. Yeah. Okay, you're required to do that. You say, what do you want? Is there any possibility of a settlement here? You know, what, what, what information are you looking for in discovery? You know, uh, what, you know, here's the information we're looking for in discovery. That is absolutely required under federal rules of civil procedure, Rule 26, um, E and E and F in particular, there are automatic. You know, you've heard that in lawsuits you get disclose, you get discovery. Mm-hmm. Federal rules and many other states have made it so there's certain automatic discovery. You're supposed to answer without waiting to be asked. And one of them is is identify what it is you're looking for. And and again, the, you know, most of the rules are built around the idea that the, that judges are overworked. And they can't get in, you know, they can't get in their, t- their tea time and they're very upset because they, they can't get over to the golf course. And so um, they have all these rules that are built around, you know, just, you know save us time. Uh, we don't want to be bothered until, and so there are many, like if I, if I file a motion, I'm supposed to consult with the other side. Um, I've had many, many, and Virginia got, got, uh, more tough on that. Whereas if you don't certify that you already talked to the other side before filing the motion, some judges mm-hmm. won't even hear it. Like, I don't know, you may have the best motion ever, but if you didn't talk about the, about it with the other side first, I'm not even yep. going to bother because you're mm-hmm. supposed to wait. You're supposed to save the judge time by consulting. 
And, you know, it's, it's inconsistent how serious judges take it, but it's, it's growing, you know, more and more serious. So, so Donald Trump has this phone call that is um, required. And you, know, and you know that's what it is because all the lawyers are on the phone on both sides, on all sides. Okay. So you've got all the – I mean, you've got this, this, like, you know, it's a phone call, but it'd be like, you know, filling up, a, you know, a stadium – with all the people who are on this phone call. And we also know that the opening of the phone call has been cut off. It's not available. And, you know, so, you know, normally you have a beginning of a phone call saying, hello, uh, stand by for Donald Trump, for the president, Donald Trump. Is Kenneth Ragenfensberger available? You know, it's like, yes, you know, but, but you don't have that. The part of the phone call that would, that would, be the opening, the obvious beginning of this phone call is uh, is missing. But we do know yeah, but, that all these different... Huh? Well, I, I was going to say, we're, we're defending something, but I think that we're missing the, the, the big picture, that for people that won a free and fair election, they're going to an awful lot of trouble to condemn someone who simply said they didn't win a free and fair election. And if they knew they but, won a free and fair election, they wouldn't be doing any of this stuff because it would be well, that, obvious. That, that it was that's right. I mean, there, and there are Facebook memes, that, you know, about how, you know, it's a strange way to say that you won, you know, won the election to prosecute people who say you didn't win the election. But they've got an obsession. Um, it's beyond that. I mean, this is an obsession. This is so bad that they want to destroy not only Trump, but the memory of Trump, that there was ever any question of the election. You know, and we still have to rewrite all the history books. We've got to correct this again. This, and no one's ever really talked about that. This is so bad. These people are so obsessed with erasing any question that they're going to these extraordinary means. Well, Trump's got four indictments in like 400 years with a, with a potential you know, death penalty charge for one of them for insurrection or whatever it is. I mean, this is, this is irrational behavior. Mm-hmm. Just beyond just trying to, uh, you know, to make sure everybody thinks that the election was free and fair, which obviously it wasn't. But they're, right. they're just, they're insanely pursuing this. I mean, every right. part of it. So, so Fannie Willis is the prosecutor in Georgia who ran on the platform that she was going to indict Trump. Before there was any evidence, before there was any reason for it, you know, you just like, vote for me and I will indict Trump. Now, if that sounds a little bit fishy, it's very fishy. So on November 4th, 2020, um, she posted on Facebook, according to Gateway Pundit, breaking newly discovered Facebook posts, uh, Fannie Willis is feeling annoyed, November 4th, 2020. Georgia could determine who is our next president. A team of lawyers needs to watch them count every single vote. They can start in Fulton, where we are having water leaks. What ballots are they throwing out? Georgia, let's give an honest accounting, no stunts. This is the prosecutor prosecuting Trump today for questioning the election. And here she is on the day of the election, um, a, a, uh, you know, questioning whether, whether the election was legit, legitimate. Now, is, is she going, you know, as, as the Gateway Pundit asked, are they going, oh, that was the day after election. That's when they were counting. Um, and, and that's when, um, 
when uh, um, I mean, it was overnight getting into past midnight, November 4th, when the water leaked, you know, the fake water leak um, and right. everything like that. So, so Gateway Pundit is asking, are, are, is she going to indict herself? Um, now, of course, it is, it is, it is, you know, it is equally true that um, the entire pro, uh, premise of these lawsuits is completely absurd. Um, and and it is it is a suppression. I mean, these are people. Remember, they this is a generation coming up that does not believe in free speech. They they've asked, you know, they've been asked about it, and they don't, you know, they they have no, you know, if, if somebody is saying something that this generation doesn't like, they don't believe in free speech. Right. Um. So. Um, you know, so uh, anyway, so now the other thing is, is that um, they just, in the, the Gateway Pundit is also blasting the fact that um, apparently what happened is, is, oh, let me get this, Jordan Fuchs, what's your name? Working for Raffensperger, um, what is, it was, an, was a, a staff person, and... Um, let me open this up again. And um, recorded this phone call, apparently on a computer, uh, you know, using a computer software to record it. Jordan Fuchs, right. um, this nice-looking nice blonde woman, you know, and remember that even the devil appears as an angel of light, um, recorded this phone call. Mm-hmm. Uh, misrepresented it to the Washington Post, misquoted it to the Washington Post, and then deleted it on her computer. Mm. And auditors, for, you know, for the Georgia auditors, um, recovered it off of her computer. And wow. like four, months, four months later, the Washington Post issued a retraction saying that, saying that what, what they had been told upon listening to the actual recording was not true. And what everybody, you know, the lie, lie has gone halfway around the world before the truth gets its boots on, as the saying yep. goes. And so the whole world was told that Trump was saying, I want you to, to find 11,000 votes, or all these, you know, the various things that he supposedly said. He never said that thing. And... Um, you know what? What he did do is he ran through uh, he ran through the different categories of questionable mm-hmm. or uh, fraudulent votes, and um, you know Brad Raffensperger, who is again he's he's Satan. I mean, you just know, the more you watch this guy, he's like he's as bad as Mike Pence or Mitt Romney, and he is a <laughs> flat liar. I mean, because yeah. he, comes, oh, yeah. he, he comes out and says, well, you know, that's not the information we have, Mr. President. And like, <laughs> and, and Trump goes, like, he, I forget which lawyer he turns to, like, where did we get these numbers? Oh, from Brad Raffensperger. Yeah, yeah. He's like, we got these from your freaking office, guy, Brad. <laughs> yeah. Th- th- this information is from your office. Not, you know, how can it not, and, and he's sitting there saying, like, 
oh, that's not the information that you have. Well, that's we got it from you. And 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 so you know th- this guy is just a freaking corrupt, evil, satanic liar. And and the the and, and so but 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 you have to put it in context because the purpose of a consultation under Rule 26E 26F is that you're supposed to. Uh, well, look, in, in lawsuits, discovery disputes are a nightmare, and they take up so much of the judge's time. So you're supposed to get specific, saying, this is the information I'm looking for. This is the format. I'm going to do it in. And then the other side says, well, we don't have it in that format. Could we, could we do it like this? Like, sure, fine. And, and they're supposed – so when, you know, when, when, when Donald Trump says, okay, when are we going to get the official numbers from you? commanded by the rules of court. It's not, it's not a question of like, gee, I'm begging you, Brad Raffensperger, to provide the information. It's like it's required under election law and it's required under the lawsuit rules. Like you have to do it. You know, and, 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 they, uh, but, and Brad Raffensperger is like, well, I don't know. I don't know if we can give you that information. Yeah, you're damn well going to give that information because it's required. And, and so, so he's sitting there saying, oh, those aren't our numbers. Okay, fine. What are your numbers? <laughs> I, I don't know if we can give that to you. You know, I mean, it's on the tape. And so, so oh, yeah. I, heard, I, I mean, think I've heard the original, but it's just staggering that he will lie. I mean, he's the state, right? So, so he has no conscience. He, he will say whatever it is to enforce, you know, he's like the, it's like the deep state mafia. You know, they will say whatever they need to say to maintain power. They don't care. There's no honor. There's no honesty. There's no, you know, there's no working with the law. They're, you know, they're just making, they literally are making stuff up. And when Trump said mm-hmm. he needed 11,000 votes, that was the only, that was the difference between, uh, you know, winning and losing Georgia. It was a very small amount. So they don't have to find, you know, several hundred thousand fraudulent votes. All they need was 11,000 11, fraudulent votes. Right. But, and when, now, when that, Donald that. Trump says... When Donald Trump, he started out listing all these categories that do come to a couple right. hundred thousand votes. People who, who were dead, people who weren't 18 years old yet on election yeah. day. You can, re- you can register before you're 18. You just can't vote until your 18th birthday. Um, right. And, you know, people who had left the state, but they somehow still voted. People who were, you know, hundreds of people registered at the same vacant lot. Um, that kind of thing. I I'm, don't don't get too specific about that, but those are the kinds of questions that come up. Is yeah. you know you, ha- you have a, you have. Could have I mean, this goes back. You. This goes back yeah. 50, 60 years to the idea that people, all these people who are registered to vote at, um, oh, what's the word? The um, state, the Chicago Stadium. Dog on it. Not Shays. The Ridley? the. Uh, what? Yeah. Wrigley Field. I mean, okay. all, all the you know, the, if you look, you go and you and you look for the fo- for the address for where people are registered to vote, you find out it's Wrigley Field. It's the, you know, it's the it's the you know, or the Dodger Stadium or something like that. Um, yep. The uh, you know, so I mean, the thing is, is the Democrats have been have been cheating and stealing for a hundred years. And if, if anybody says, oh, they wouldn't cheat, what are you kidding? I mean, it's, it's, to the, it's to the it's to the level of a joke. You know, the idea, the idea that the idea that all these people, you know, live at the at, at the baseball stadium and that's where they mm-hmm. registered to vote. 
um, at, at, you know, it, it is is so old. It, you know, it's it's passed into the level of like people laugh about it because yep. of course the Democrats cheat. Um, and and so but, so but anyway, the Republicans let them. See, that's the problem too. The Republicans, Democrats definitely cheat, but the Republicans let them. They let them overturn right. seven seats in in California in 2018, and uh, the, the the G what should have been the GOP House became the Democrat House, and they had two impeachments between 2018 and 2020. None of that should have happened. See, and right, we have this we have this sickness on the right that you know well we don't want to we don't want to sink to their level. You know when when an enemy army is shooting at you, you shoot back. I mean, yeah, it's got nothing to do with thinking, you know, it's like, it's like there's this famous quote from the TV series Firefly where Captain Mel Reynolds, you know, he, he tells this young lady, if someone tries to kill you, you kill them, you kill them right back. Um, and he's not, you know, he, he's a military guy, but he's not exactly Rambo. He's, you know, and, and, and it's just, he's just funny how he says it. So, I mean, the thing is, is like, so we've got this, this whole attitude that if, you know, if they – if they do evil things and we just look the other way, you know, God will, you know, I, I, I think it comes, I mean, you know, religion has had a big impact on our society. And it, uh, what? I mean, it's kind, it's kind of the attitude that, you know, if we, if, if we just let, sit there and let them steal us blind, um, that, you know, God will, you know, you know, God will bless us. And the problem is that's not what that's not what Christianity says in the first place. Um, oh, but people, but it's certain. I mean, see, here's the problem with Christianity. What uh, you're, 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 um, we're both talking at the same time, or else you're you're coming through fuzzy. Hmm. Um, I said sorry. Um, so so, but the thing is, is the problem with Christianity in politics is huh. that if, if if someone punches me on one cheek, I can decide to forgive them and turn the other cheek. But if I see a woman being raped in the park, I cannot say, oh, I'm just going to turn the other cheek. Uh, I don't want to, I don't want to get down to their level. No, you have no choice. You must go at the risk of your life to defend the other person. That's Christianity. Mm -hmm. You have no right to turn somebody else's cheek. You can only turn your own. And and so we have the, we have these misunderstandings infecting our politics, and the right is pathetic, um, you know, at, at implementing you know the, these things. So you know, it's 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 the the right for a hundred years has been like the security guards in these you know in in, in Nordstrom's in California, just standing there <laughs> while while mobs you know flash mobs go and, and steal everything in the store, and the security guard just stands there. That's the right. So, so yeah, yeah think, so we've got the, are you talking? Well, Sorry. I am. I think it's a lot more pathological than what, uh, than, than just that, uh, they, they just don't want to do anything. I think they're absolutely scared. I think they're terrified. I think they're a bunch of cowards. You know, the reason I call them gelding old party is for a reason that they have no soul. They don't care. There's a few that do, but even my own little firebrand here, Matt Gates has never sponsored, uh, or called for a committee on the stolen election. You know, I wrote, I wrote that whole article recently and all the reasons I'm not going to vote Republican for all the things they're not doing. That's the number one reason. You know, they refuse well, but, to have any kind of – go ahead. Well, yeah, and, 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 but, but the thing is, you know, it's starting to the, – the pathological 
you know, psychological illness of the right is starting to make sense because if you're if you're terrified of ever doing anything, mm-hmm. but you know you can't get elected, mm-hmm. you're going to develop this this mentality of of talking tough, but doing nothing. You know, it's kind of like mm-hmm. they say that children, and I don't mean to be, you know, I, I have a a dear sweet cousin who who just drank herself to death, and it's an illness, and I don't mean to be, you know, unkind towards alcoholics, but they talk about the children of alcoholics developing this sort of fractured personality where they will maintain, you know, they will lie to their alcoholic parent in order to avoid, you know, being, being attacked and things like that. And they used to say that about Bill Clinton. And, um, you know, sure. he was such a magnificent liar because uh, he developed yeah. this. So, so when, 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 pe- when Republicans, are terrified of being attacked by the Washington Post back when it mattered and the New York Times back when it mattered. Today, nobody gives a hoot about it. And the Republican right. Party still hasn't figured out that we don't give a hoot what the, Republic, what the Washington Post says. You know, they're still terrified that somebody's going to write something negative about them when the country's moved on. You know, we, don't, you know, we, we know that, that democracy dies at the Washington Post. Um, you know, the truth dies at the Washington Post. Um, so, um, but they have to, they have to come up with this fractured psychology of they, they know, they know nobody's going to vote for them, but they're certainly as hell not going to do anything. So they've got to come up with this, this psychological illness in which they pretend that they're going to come out swinging, but they never actually do anything. You know, and I do think that that's a tactic. I do think it's dishonest. I do think it's a scam. But like mm-hmm. you said, I think it. I think it's deeper than that. I think it's a psychological condition. Yeah. That I mean, it's you go back to the you go back to the to Franklin Delano Roosevelt. I mean, there was there was the Republican Party was like you know powerless. So yeah, anyway. what's Newt Gingrich used to talk about uh, Bob Michael was happy being the Republican minority leader, the loyal opposition, except that he was loyal and there was no opposition. You know, they didn't do anything. They, 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 they consider themselves the natural inferiors. They are the followers. They are, uh, their place in the universe is uh, to, to fake opposition, but not, as you say, but not actually do anything. It's something like, like a Stockholm syndrome. Like the Democrats are the natural leaders and the Republicans are kind of like there you know, as some sort of a counterbalance, but not really. And it, 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 it's, it's truly sick. And they're so gutless and so powerless. I don't care. This is why Action Radio doesn't care who's in office. I want to, we've got a little bit of time left. I want to go into this 14th Amendment thing, because this is going to take a little explaining, that somehow this new legal theory and everything they're doing is new. And see, the Republicans never counter it. You know, the reason there are four indictments against Trump is that not a single uh, Republican DA has arrested a single Democrat for stealing the election, for vote fraud, for election fraud, for treason, for anything. Not a single Democrat has been arrested for anything. So why would they stop doing what they're doing? Well, they, they, well, I mean, the only time, remember the, the independent counsel law that they were, they kept appointing things against Reagan. And again, you know, people are so, uh, I, I don't know what, because, because they, were try, they were trying to pull this crap against Ronald Reagan. The Iran-Contra right. scandal they they thought they were going to put Ronald Reagan in jail. And you well, think like, oh, it's just, 
<laughs> it's just Trump, Trump and it's just yeah. What? Giving money to the conscious was illegal. You know, they took money from Iran from arms sales and gave it to the conscious. You can't do that. Money has to be spent by Congress. So what they did was illegal. But uh, the investigation was bogus too. So I mean, there were no, there were no there were no good. There was no right side of that. I mean, they're all wrong. Well, but for different. But but I mean, I, I really don't understand how it's like it's like it's like somebody going in to see Jaws twenty seven. Mm-hmm. And say and, and and coming out and say, oh my God, there was a shark in there. Didn't you see Jaws one through twenty six? I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, are you are you serious? I mean, are you 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 pulling my leg? I mean, you don't know. So people say, well, Trump has baggage. Are you kidding me? Did you not <laughs> did you not see what they did to John McCain? You know, did yeah. did you not see what they did to Ronald Reagan? I mean, well, the I whole thing about. That. What? Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, the pattern. The, pattern no, the whole thing. Yeah, the, Republicans the whole themselves thing up. About, go ahead. We're talking soon. The whole thing about Ali North, you know, and the big mm-hmm. – the thing is what happened was when, when Ali North went up there, he didn't take it. Like my, my mm-hmm. brother was in Miami, and, and like, mm-hmm. you know, I was up in D.C., and when he was up there and it was, it was going to be a slaughter, mm-hmm. you know, it was, it was set up to be – Ali North was going to testify, and it was going to it was going to be horribly, you know, humiliating, and it was going to lead to Ronald Reagan, and Ronald Reagan was going to be in, impeached. Mm-hmm. What happened was that Ali North came out swinging, and made so much sense, and made so much fun of the Democrats, just embarrassed them, that people were spontaneously thousands of people were out were out at what they call the Senate Park across from the Senate side of, con- of Congress. They, they were gathering everywhere. In every city, there were spontaneous uh-huh. demonstrations. And my brother said that when, if you, if, if, on the radio show, if they said something critical of Ollie North, they would get swamped with phone calls. They didn't <laughs> dare. Say, I mean, yeah. it stopped there because Ollie North fought back. And, um, well, it doesn't take much. You know, Trump's fighting back. Look at all the trouble he's causing them. And he's just one person. You know, if the Republicans actually fought back, it would be totally different. I want to go into this 14th Amendment thing because I, I don't understand it all. That all right. Well, I mean, it's the same thing. It's, 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 okay. the, it's the left-wing fantasies because okay. under the under – the, um, uh, what is it exactly? Under the 14th Amendment, one of the things it says is that um, someone cannot hold public office. Remember, the 14th right. Amendment was part of Reconstruction. Right. Um, and, and because of that, it's one of the weirdest um, pe- people have commented well, that our Constitution should have read the first section. They should have stopped at Section 1 and left the other three off. That's where they had problems. Right. They were trying to correct a bunch of messes that, that, that led to the Civil War, and they mm-hmm. ended up, of course, making more messes, um, as yep. usual. So, um, so it says, no person shall be a senator or representative in Congress, elector, a president and vice president, or hold any office, civil or military, under the United States or under any state who, having previously taken an oath, as a member of Congress or as an officer of the United States or as a member of any state legislature, blah, 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 right. shall have engaged in an insurrection or rebellion against the same. 
or given mm-hmm. aid or comfort to the enemies thereof, the enemies of the United States. Um, right. But, but so um, so the problem is, is of course, is that nobody you know nobody's ever been convicted of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so they to simply say. It was the Confederacy was who they were talking about, former Confederates. Didn't, they didn't want them right. holding office because they didn't want another insurrection or rebellion. The insurrection or rebellion was the Civil War. Was it was, yeah. of the, That's what they're it talking was, about. But it was today, not. It, it was, yeah. Yeah, it was not, it was not you know, um, demonstrating at the Capitol. Yeah, it um, wasn't an insurrection. The real insurrection, right, well, that, the real rebellion, that's the thing. Real well, insurrection. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, that's why they call something that's not an insurrection an insurrection. I mean, the, right. again, the left has been on to this from day one. Call, the, the, ever, all the times they call it an insurrection when everybody knows it's not is because mm-hmm. this is where they were headed the whole time. And we couldn't yep. get people to donate to January 6th defendants to slap this stuff down. Um, you know, I spent like a full-time job for a year trying to raise money for um, January 6th defendants and, it, you know, got nowhere. Because people yep. are too, we're too stuck in the in the mud to understand that. We you know, oh yeah, Trump's this... attorney asking. We were asking talk to Christina Bob, Trump's attorney, say, hey, can we uh, get some you know some aid for for defend? And, and nothing. We never we never heard back. I mean, I mean, if Trump's not right. going to defend January sex people, then where we where do we go from there? Well, because because they're sitting there, they're looking at it and say, oh, that'll never happen. You know, oh, and, and you think about it, it, it is in a sane world. Would anybody mm-hmm. take this seriously? No. Are no. we are we living in the same world? No. No. We're not. <laughs> it's not now. But here's I mean, the thing, like, though. again, again, you know, what part, what part of whistling past the graveyard? You know, it's like I, yeah, you know, it's like the Soviets are are coming out of the, you know, or the paratroopers are coming out of the sky at the, at the football field at the high school. It's like, oh, that'll never happen. Like, well, they're <laughs> right. They're here now. You know, yeah. and but, um, so so the thing is, so the thing is, and, and of course, so a, a lawyer here in Florida has just signed filed a lawsuit to keep Trump off the ballot in Florida, uh, based based on this, and and the, the big the part of the big controversy is, can you just you know if somebody has not been found guilty of anything, can you just say it? Now this is the other thing I wanted to I wanted to get out there that people don't uh, we we've said it before an indictment is not evidence okay people no. say well read the indictment I don't care anybody who says <laughs> about Trump read the indictment is I, I you know you're you're completely uninformed maybe you're an intelligent person but I don't know how anybody could be an intelligent person and not know by now. That an indictment is crap, okay? The, you know, and the idea is, well, would a would a prosecutor lie? Oh hell yeah! You know, do they? I mean, the the are there indictments that I, I can point to you the complete lies in indictments even before January sixth. You know, the, Sidney Powell became famous for writing a book about the gov- you know, the prosecutors before you know the Trump election. Um, called license to lie mm-hmm. that, you know, just like James Bond has a license to kill, you know, the, the <laughs> law says the police can lie. The, the prosecutors, yes, they can lie. They're allowed to lie. 
And they do with abandon. So the idea like, well, it's in the indictment. It must be true. Uh, no, it's oh. not. So, so the, the idea that, well, Trump has been indicted for things that don't actually say insurrection, but they, you know, they think, therefore, just because he's been indicted, he should be kept off the ballot. Um, not seeing that. Where, 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 are you get, where are you getting from here to there? From to there, from here. Yeah. I, I don't. I, I think. You know. I yeah, think the bridge is out. Yeah. I want. I want to get yeah. one real point here. Well, Piaki's on the line. I want to give him a chance because we've got Dorothy coming in at the top of the hour, and I want to really make this point that the people that are accusing Trump of an insurrection because he's challenging the election are the people that actually. Stole the election that actually caused the insurrection. That if this were actually true, they were saying they would be off the ballot. Brandon would be off the right. ballot because they're the ones that actually committed the crime. So the people who are, are who committed the crime are defending their crime by accusing the other side of committing the crime that they committed. When the other side, in other words, Trump, is simply calling them out and challenging them and proving that they did commit the crime. So the crime, right. you call the so police, you call the police and say. So proving someone yeah, you, committed a crime is now a crime. That's irrational. You call, you call, no. you call the police because they're, they're robbing the bank and they arrest right. you for, yeah. for pointing out that the bank is being robbed. Yeah, and the banker keeps the money. Yeah. So, <laughs> That's what it right. is. So, yeah. um, That's so, good analogy, um, yeah. So anyway, yeah, yeah, that's 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 that. that uh, uh, so what I t- what I'm trying to tell Larry Clayman to do, um, although he never he never really took suggestions, um, is he's a lawyer in Florida. He should copy this other lawyer's lawsuit, just mockingly mimic it against uh-huh. Joe Biden. Yeah. I- well, absolutely. I mean, all this, all this stuff should be, you know, the worst thing out there is like, well, if the Democrats did, if we, if we did this to the Democrats, they'd scream and yell. I'm like, well, why the, why the hell aren't you screaming and yelling? You've just admitted that you're a gelding, you know, mm-hmm. by not doing anything. There should be massive lawsuits against Brandon. I don't even care if they're false charges. Make stuff up. But do something. Some well, DA the, out there has what? to charge some Democrat with something or we're never going to get anywhere. The bully well, going to keep winning. What I just read to you, and then I'll shut up and let Bianchi and whatever, you know, they, is uh, under the 14th Amendment, one of the options is give aid or comfort to the enemies of the United States. I mean, Look, we're up to $60 million of bribes to the Biden family that they, right. they've identified. Yeah, Congress went out of session at the wrong time. Well, you've got You've got 15 million at least illegals. You've got untold billions going to Ukraine and who knows where else. You've got corruption, you know, giving aid and comfort to the enemy. I mean, the, the, China's paid them off. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's a lot of places. But again, it's an illegal administration. Nothing that Brandon has done is legal. No money spent, no bill signed, no executive order, nothing. And yet the, the geldings. The gelding old party refuses to take the slightest action. That's the problem. You have to stop voting for them. Get rid of them. They're useless. They, they are worse than useless because they take up time and money and space and media, and they refuse to do anything 
even remotely, you know, it's, I'd rather have, you know, it's almost worth becoming a Democrat. At least you know you're going to be on a winning side once in a while. Jackie, good morning. Worries. Well, maybe, well, hey, Jonathan, there was an argument some time ago that the 14th and even 13th Amendment was not ratified because the legislatures that should have counted for it to be was an absentee when the vote came up. Really? Interesting. Yeah, I thought you probably knew that. No, I didn't. Yeah, first I've heard about the 15th and the 17th, especially the 16th, the income tax I've heard was never properly ratified, but I've never heard the 13th and the 14th. 13th and 14th wasn't. It's one of the books. Unless you can mount a decent challenge. Well, like I said, the first section of the 14th Amendment is pretty good. But, Pianchi, what do you think? I mean, you know, I think that, like I said, the Republicans are worse than useless. They refuse to do anything. That's why I wrote that article. I said, don't vote for them. What's the point? Vote for Trump, leave the rest of the ballot empty. It doesn't matter. Even if they well, are the majority party, the, even if they the thing hearing, is, is that don't. yeah, go ahead. If a amendment wasn't properly ratified, it doesn't mean anything. That needs to be looked into. And then a lot of oh, the people absolutely. that's bringing up these, a lot of the people that's bringing up these uh, issues, want to use the Fourteenth Amendment when it was applied to uh, the Civil War and the after effects of that. Um, oh, they may not. Probably go to Trump. They may but change their mind. Not, let's 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 get to the immediate situation. We've got an illegal government, and nobody is kicking them out of office. Nobody is arresting these people. Nobody's knocking on the door. No one's investigating. The House, the Republican geldings, there's a few of them holding hearings. But what's the result? Have they got any bills out there? Have they cut any budgets? Have they done anything? And the answer is no. They've done absolutely. Nothing. That's the problem. So uh, the effect, the Republican Party is effectively neutered, absent, doesn't exist. There is no Republican Party. They're not arresting Democrats. They're not prosecuting Democrats. The, the Republican DAs are sitting on their wallowing fat butts. They're not doing anything at all. There hasn't been a single cut. Well, in the people that elected the these Republicans, uh, the people that elected these Republicans are the ones that are supposed to raise these charges. I mean, you but say you're there not. with Matt Gates in Florida. The, the yeah, people there in Florida are not raising a, that issue with Matt Gates. I did. I tried for a month. I used to, I, in fact, for about two weeks, I called his office every day asking for an appointment so I could talk about exactly these kind of things. Never got one. Wouldn't even talk to me. And I'm on his side. In other words, the voices are pretty much <laughs> You can't make no reply no in your comment sections on on these uh, stories that show up, whether no matter where they are. See, I don't even think you're seeing in allowing in comments anymore. All that stuff they went by the wayside during the time when uh, the Ukrainian government was being overthrown. Listen, I got over 20 Facebook groups. People can make all the comments they want, and they do. But we've got a situation now which is so bad party refuses to do anything if we lose the the election with trump it won't be because of trump it'll be because of the gelding 
gelding old party refused to do anything, and the Democrats just steamrolled over them. Okay, let me take – got Dorothy in the line, so let's get final comments, and then we'll, we'll bring her on. But uh, we have a serious problem. And, Jonathan, I, I think it goes so far beyond just, you know, trying – just being wimpy and weak. These people are actually pathologically weak. They're sickeningly weak. They're scared of everything. And they need to go. They're, they're no use for us. We, we can't have a free country with the, with the Republican Party as it exists today. We won't. We will never get to a free country with them in the way. I agree. Jackie, then Jonathan, and then I'll get to Dorothy. Jonathan, why don't you go ahead first? You agree? No, yeah, I I I, I, I agree. And and you have to go. I mean, you know, in in under I think 1994 was it when uh, Newt Gingrich. Uh, they, they they won the house for the first time in 50 years. Yeah, I mean you, you have to understand the history something. here. The, yeah, the Republican the, the Republican Party spent 50 years um, not having not having control of the house. And, and, and they were happy. What? And they were happy. They like not having control. They're not national leaders. They're sheep yeah, but they the have no. It, it, it's like it's like they say if you put they put a baby elephant, you know they put they put a uh, a ring on their on their foot to a stake, and then they grow up and they could pull that stake out in an instant, but they won't because they're just used to it. Yeah, let me let's uh, let's see if we can pick this up next week. I'm all I, I got to totally switch gears here, as they say, and uh, or I say yeah. I'll be talking to you. I'm still working on my project to get on Tucker's show so I can write a bill with him, and that will start. That will change politics. That'll kick everybody's butt. All right. So, Dorothy, okay. obviously, I'm on the cell phone. So, uh, well, let's let's uh, let's uh, let me get some music to put, put me in a better mood. Sex. Everybody talks about it. Some of you are even doing it, but. Are you really talking to the person you are doing it with? It all comes down to communication. That's where Dorothy Diana comes in. Dorothy is a sexual health nurse educator. She has studied hypnotherapy, Reiki, and many other disciplines. And what is sex without sensuality? Something has to light your afterburner. Join us now for a sometimes very frank and occasionally quite descriptive conversation of sex and sensuality with Dorothy Diana. Yeah, I'm on the uh, cell phone today. I think my mic cord has uh, sort of uh, crapped out on me, so I have to pick up a new one uh, today for tomorrow's show. But I've been, I was just furious on uh, that previous hour. Not at my guests, obviously, at Jonathan or Pianchi, but just at the situation in general. First hour wasn't much better. I was pretty much ranting and raving then, too. So calm me down. Let's talk about thunderstorms and coffee and uh, tell me what's going on. Let's do a couple breaths, shall we, together? It's always good for me, too. Okay. So we're just going to do three of these, okay? We're going to do okay. three of these. We're going to inhale okay. for a count of four. Just wait a second. We'll do it together because it, it's a nice community okay. feeling. And then we're going to hold it for a count of eight and then exhale for a count of seven. And let's do that three times. And you, your count can be a little faster than mine. It's okay. The goal oh, is to make breath. it slow. 
Don't worry about me. Wonderful. Yeah, the goal is to be able to hold it for the same rhythm of eight that you inhale for, so to keep the rhythm the same if you can. So let's okay. start and we'll do it together and we'll we'll meet back after that. Let's I'm gonna start my my three now. So inhale. Okay. And I'm holding for eight. And exhaling for seven. Inhaling. And I'm exhaling. And on my last inhale, I'm going to have a thought of gratitude, something I'm grateful for. And I'll wait for you. That's better. Yeah, I feel slightly high, and it's nice. I mean, in a good way. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Um, It it was funny, speaking of breathing. Uh, And I know this will apply to any of our chats, so you might want to bring this in sometime. But because I was a tuba player, uh, I had to get uh, special you know, suit sizes in like high school and college when we did concerts because I routinely, you know, pop the buttons of vests when I take a breath. Um, mm-hmm. We did a, a test in college and the um, the regular people had about three liters of air in their lung capacity. And there's a Blue Cross came by with one of these, you know, health check, pulse rhythm stuff, heartbeat, everything like that. But they had a, that air capacity. And I thought, well, this is kind of interesting. I'll try this. Uh, the joggers, you know, the jocks, the healthy guys, the ones used to go jogging every lunch and they, they mm-hmm, come back mm-hmm. and work. They have lunch and they jog and they have their showers and then they work, you know, and that kind of, four and a half liters of air. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. Yeah. So my lung capacity was, are you, take a guess. Just, just go ahead, take a guess. I have no idea. Tell me. 6.7 liters. I think part of that might be genetic, but also the, yeah, definitely the muscles from tuba. So a great thing for you between segments is maybe pull that tuba out. How fun would that be? I'd love to hear it. I'd love I to hear it. Um, and you know, have one, but I would I would rent one again if I get a decent one. Accepting play in a rock band. Accepting two yeah, donations. Yeah, I, I play I play guitar now, so uh, much more creative. Although I love playing tuba, it was fun. I was good. I'll show okay, you, I'll so today, yeah. uh-huh. today now that we're all breathed out. And, um, mm. you know, I, I saw your message of what you're discussing and I making it overlap a little bit um, mm-hmm. with what I. So we talked last week about common sexual problems and holistic, healthy ways to remedy them simply right. without medication. And because we're talking about people you're talking on your show and we're, I'm noticing on my social media feeds. Uh, that people are starting to mask up again, that mainstream news is beginning to um, manipulate the public intensely with the Maui fires and threats of new variants and threats of fuel shortages. So the fear, uh, the fear um, psychological psyops, you know, has begun, Mm -hmm. right? And and full swing has has continued, but has intensified. And with that will come, uh, the trauma response, which is, I, I feel like our government's MO, you know, since the 80s probably, um, to get the people to comply and, and go out of their critical thinking brain into their 
primitive brain of just protecting, well, we just went, right? We mm-hmm. just went through this. It, it's like someone who's in an abusive relationship who goes through recovery. Um, you, you would think that they wouldn't go right back into another abusive relationship. This is like an abusive relationship with government. Well, you've kept me safe. In my mind, the world is scary and horrible, and and I don't see that uh, you're the one giving me that that view of the world, that you're the one creating that perspective. All I see is that you're some semblance of safety in my mind, right? That because it, it's very manipulative. As we know, the medical industry creates the problem of illness and creates right. the solution. The government creates the problem, fear, fires, climate change. I'll give you a solution. Just digitalize everything. Let us own you completely. Live in smart cities and you'll be safe. So we see where this is going very clearly. And I believe most people actually see it now. Um, but, but on, on that note, I want to tie that in with what I talk about. It's actually very connected. So when we raise children with, um, healed parents by parents that have either done their healing work from their own trauma in childhood or are still in the process of growing, but are aware. So all it requires is to be aware, right. And to have authentic Mm -hmm. conversations with your children, whether that's hey, you know, I kind of lost my cool there. Was that scary for you? Mom's working on that. Let's come up with a system. You know, um, I, I'm, I'm starting, I have this, you know, system my therapist gave me or that I looked up where when I start to feel anxious and heated up, I'm going to do my breath work. And will you help remind me? Like not saying our parents, our children have to parent us, but just keeping the conversation open, admitting when you've screwed up. And then also when it comes to sexuality. So I talk about this a lot. Um, a lot of us have baggage from our childhood, whether we were raised in churches or in homes where the parents were cut off from their own bodies, which is very common. Um, parents oh, yeah. that were not in touch with yeah. their emotions and feelings and their own sensations. Parents that told us, stop crying. It's not that bad. Parents who told us, you better, you know, if you stop, you know, you're so angry, go to your room until you cannot be angry. Whatever the messages okay. were that, that the way you feel, oh, you know, it doesn't hurt that bad. Quit complaining. Whatever it is. Um, don't touch yourself there. That's naughty. I mean, I could go on and on. So, you know, parents don't do this on purpose. But if we are raised by parents like like that, that never talk to us healthily about sexuality and our body and intimacy and um, feeling amazing and beautiful and being careful, and making good choices, then we have children. We are, are less likely to be able to do that because we don't have the language, but we can learn. And it is crucial and essential, especially right now. Um, the level of drugs, hardcore porn, um, really poor decisions in the U.S. wealthy, privileged schools is through the roof. Actually, the scale has tipped. It's now more so in the wealthy um, private schools right. than it is in urban schools, believe it or not. Why? And this is due why, to, why is that? Yeah, well, n- lack of accountability. The children are not accountable. Okay. The parents are going to work. They're focused outside the family on looking good for their neighbors, being successful to heal their own father wounds of being good enough. I mean, you could go on and on, but they're not attending to their children at home. Plus, uh, if they didn't have conversations with their parents and, and they have body shame, they're less likely to have conversations about pornography by age 10, which is the age we know now children need to hear in an age appropriate way what pornography is and how to set boundaries to themselves when another kid shows them, which will happen. It's just a matter of when. doesn't matter if you homeschool. doesn't matter what your lifestyle is. That will happen in the U.S. unless you keep them in the basement, um, which I don't recommend. But um, mm-hmm. 
So they will be exposed. They will have to make choices. They will hear information about sexuality that will surprise the vast majority of parents how early they're going to be exposed. You want to get in there first, and you want to get in there with gentle, loving, factual information um, that's a constant conversation. That it, it's not one conversation. It's, it's part of the flow of your daily life, essentially. When, when a yeah. commercial comes on, when a, when a show comes on and there's messaging that you don't want them to take with into their intimate relationships, you call it out. You become that parent that calls out what you see in the world and has a conversation on the regular about drugs, about alcohol, about sexuality. Well, and that will prepare your it, children. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why is it Sorry, so hard? Sorry, I'm talking a lot, but this is such a heavy topic. No, no, you're fine. No, no, it really it's okay. goes I along do. with the maps and the critical thinking that we're not seeing in the public. We'll, we'll get there, but, but parents have, it seems, a ridiculous time. My parents couldn't talk to me about anything. My father would always embarrass me, and my mother just lied because <laughs> she was just doing yeah. psychological work. So I came from a very strange place, but I always made sure that I talked to my kid. And one of the most important things was admitting when I was wrong. And once you do that, you get, you, your kid trusts you infinitely because they know that when you screw up, you'll say so. And it happens, and it's okay. The other thing we did... Uh, this is kind of a sort of a, you know a way that parents can talk to their kids. Uh, we used to listen to radio when we're driving, right? And all kinds. Of, and I knew her music better than she knew her music. So we came up with this game called Sex and Drugs. And you have to pick from the song lyrics: is it about sex or is it about drugs? You start doing that with like eleven, twelve year olds, or even a ten year old kid. It, it was hysterical. And and we it's like it's not oh, a sex. lecture; okay, it's fine. a game. Yeah, and, and, and tying by, tying humor into it like that is so. <laughs> valuable that's gold because it becomes oh, a game they take the, they take yeah. the system less seriously they no longer are like oh they're trying to give me messages oh i have to be careful they're more like this is hilarious i can't believe and we did something similar with with commercials on tv like we'd say okay let's play the oh, game okay. what are what yeah. are they trying to tell us and, and knowing that yeah. the opposite is true and and it's kind yeah. of funny yeah i Same love idea. that greg yeah, it, it, we, just, we just came up with this spontaneously, but it was hysterical. And it's like, let's play sex and drugs. Okay, fine. With, with like my 11-year-old. <laughs> like, you know, people are like, what are you talking yeah. about? What are you doing? We're listening to the radio. Oh, okay. Because most songs are about sex or drugs. Once you listen to them. Well, and when and, they're about sex yeah. and love, they're about how hard, that, how hard it is to be in love, how you get left, how you get heartbroken, how yep. you jump from person to person. And that's the yep. love messaging. And the sex messaging is that it's cheap, easy, and, um, you know, you should just do it, and it's hot, and it's all these things, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Commercials are another one. We definitely analyze it. But so what, what did you learn from commercials? Because uh, the first thing I told my daughter was, like, they, they make all men look like idiots, and obviously I'm not, you know. And so it was, that was something, too, the, the perceptions, the societal messages from commercials are really horrible. Now it's like every, every couple is interracial, and that's, that's their current thing, which is kind of interesting. So with commercials, which, I mean, we didn't even have a TV in our house. So until this, this year, I put one in my house I bought. My kids are a lot older now, and they can kind of follow guidelines, and they know how it, you know, how it works, but how, you know, not just how it works technically, oh, yeah. but like how, it, how it's going to work for me, right? We're not going to have it yeah. on all the time. But well, with commercials, you know, the fun thing. But... Yeah. Well, with commercials, the fun thing, and this is all, this does relate to my topic because I feel like it's really okay. important to, to, to emphasize how do you raise kids that critically think and can look at the messages from outside culture 
and be curious, huh, what do they want me to do? Why might they want me to do this? Is this good for me? Does it resonate intuitively as true? Does it make logical sense? What might be the motivation behind their message? Like, can I trace back to a money source? Like, we want, we want teens to be able to, by the time they're teenagers, be able to automatically ask these questions. That sounds like a lot to ask, but yeah. it's not. And, and your game with the car and my game with the, with the television, when a commercial comes on, let's say it's Coca-Cola, and there's this beautiful, and now it's, she's usually Latino, and um, drinking a Coke and just with beautiful breasts and a skinny waist and clear skin, and she's laughing and running. And, and so the message is, you know, and the kids can pretty well pick up on this, yeah, beautiful, healthy people drink Coca-Cola. And then once you right. say it out loud, if, if kids already know about ingredients, which hopefully they do, but if they don't, it's never yeah. too late to start, um, they kind of look at you and they're like, that's funny, because who's actually, if you go to the grocery store, who, who's putting Coca-Cola in their cart? It's not beautiful, happy, clear-skinned, you know, spelt people. So it, it's really mm-hmm. quite the opposite, and, and most commercials are like that. It, you know, whatever they're trying to tell you, the opposite is true, usually. <laughs> yeah, that's how they, they have, like, uh, EV commercials, you know, with men in their, like, 30s. <laughs> so right. the older guys don't feel so bad. I mean, it's hysterical, and you look at this. Or, or uh, whatever else is going. Like I said, the men, the idiot is a common theme. But the thing is, when you play a game with your kids like this, you open up communication in so many ways that you never even thought of. Because my kid had no problem asking me pretty much anything. And yeah. I made sure to answer, even if I didn't know. So you know what? I had no idea. And then we'd look it up. You know? And so, but the communication is so critical. But that stands them in good stead the rest of their lives. And you, too. And the rest of your life, the language in their head will be a questioning, curious language versus an acceptance of the fear and just blindly obeying the solution that's offered. And and it's so crucial. It's so crucial. Yeah. And question can be fun. It's it's fun Mm -hmm. to look at this stuff and say, how come you don't see that? You know, or what do you see? And then they'll say, well, this is what I see. You know, and that gets back to our topic of fear, because if you're afraid to question and you think that then you can be, then you'll be afraid of everything. You can be afraid of COVID. You can be afraid that the government, like you say, represents safety. You see, to me, the government represents danger. Most people are killed by their own government. You know, other than natural causes, government's the number one cause of death in the world, by far. Well, look at Maui. Let's not get there. But and I think, I think, yeah, I, I would agree. That's interesting. And we, we yeah. So, um, and I think kids being in school, if your kids are in school, you have to work double hard to counteract those messages because they're generally going because of of group management if group management they're going to be just due to the teachers having to manage a large group of kids so many of them are neuro atypical now due to vaccines and um, medical interventions that are unnecessary um, that you know they're having to manage these large groups of kids so they have to kind of do this militaristic everyone shut up Nobody goes to the bathroom unless I say, like, you know, this sort of prison system thing. And so the kids early on feel, you know, like they shouldn't ask, they shouldn't step out of line. You know, they, they can't question. They have to just go along or be shamed. So if your kid is in that kind of environment, which most of them are, then you kind of have to work extra hard at home to create free thinkers, right? Um, yeah, I, I- 
Something happened, just to digress for a second here, something happened when I was in college, and I was head of the, the Environmental Coalition. I was president. I, I ran like a bunch of different groups, you know me, overachieving and loving every minute of it. Um, but I had a bunch of kids, uh, elementary school kids, and the teachers made them line up, hold hands, walk two by two, and they said, and sit and listen to the, you know, to, you know me, Greg. Uh, and I said, I, guess, I said, guys, let's talk. And I gather around the circle, which I tend to do. I said, what do you think of this? Let me get some questions. And I got them talking. I got them talking like they'd never talked before. And then like 10 minutes later, she just said, all right, line up, shut up, you know, get it. But didn't say shut up. It was like, line up, you know, we have to move on to the next thing. And all of a sudden, and then went back into school mode. So for, for a brief 10 minutes, I had them and they were interested and they were asking me great questions and all kinds of stuff about, you know, the sun and the solar energy and whatever else we were doing and how things worked. But then they got back into school mode. So they, they're so conditioned that they walked in in school mode. I, I took them out of school mode and, and went into like, you know, dad question mode. Well, I wasn't dad yet, you know, I was a college student, but I went into question mode uh, and then they were fabulous. They, were, they became themselves and then they went back into school mode and became like prisoners again. It was, and I looked at this and went, mm. oh my God, I can't believe this. And I was so, I was heartbroken when they left. I, I wish I could have followed them and said, no, no, we have more to teach. We have more to do. I want to keep you where you were. You were so good. You were inquisitive. And the teachers never noticed that they're asking questions, never rewarded, never complimented, never said that was a good question. I did. They did. The teachers were in. No, uh, because that's not what they're told to reward. They're told to reward regurgitating the information they're yeah. told. Yeah. Yeah. Regurgitate the information and you get a grit, you get a grade, you get a stamp of approval. You're good enough now and your friend's not good enough because not everyone can make an A. So it's also a system of pitting the kids against each other, which is very soul sucking. What no matter, I don't care. I've done so much research on this and a lot of people say, oh, a little bit of healthy competition is good. No, it's actually not. At, when, at a certain age when the competition is geared towards improving yourself and improving the tribe, um, it's mm-hmm. different, but kids in competition is absolutely detrimental to their to their spiritual health. But um, that's what school does, also. So, in terms of sexuality, um, in order mm-hmm. to create an adult that makes or a teen that makes good choices, they need they need good factual information at an age appropriate right. um, uh, in an age appropriate way, and that becomes a regular conversation of flow where, like you said, all questions are okay, all questions are safe. Um, you can even have yeah. an anon- a question jar in the kitchen and have, like, a set time each week to discuss. Um, you can have a trusted friend so who can help care do it with them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she knew she could ask me anything. It was great. So, yeah. But not, we, we all, never had not all families have that. And if the parents haven't, you know, if they still have shame from their own past and, and, and you know, a child asks a question and they feel that kind of, gasping sensation um you know a great thing to say is you know what that's a great question can i can i think on that and get back to you and then definitely get back to them you know but maybe go and um, have some time to figure out why you have that reaction maybe do a little healing work um and on that topic so that you can you know be present with them in a way that they don't feel like something's wrong with the question and they don't want to ask you right because um because kids pick up on that energy really quickly. If they ask something and you have like a strong emotion inside about the question, they pick up on that. So just own it. Oh yeah. And you can even say, you know, my parents never talk to me about stuff. So sometimes I feel like I don't know what to I've, say. I've said that. Yeah. 
you know, yeah. I wasn't talking mm-hmm. this way, but I want to make sure that I do it this way with you, you know, meaning my kid. And so that's, that was quite, uh, um, quite a different experience. But do you think that that really transfers? I never thought about this. This is a fascinating revelation that the, the non-questioning of childhood, that the beating out of you, the conditioning that you can't ask a question or that every question you ask is going to be stupid because you asked it transfers to when the government says you have to wear a mask, you have to have a, of course a vaccine. It does. It, uh, I mean, I didn't think it was that, is it that direct, though? That, I mean, yes, yes, okay. yes. The, the trauma, and, it's, and I'm going to call it trauma. And you know what? I'm taking a really good trauma course right now from Dr. Albert Wong. I mean, it's so good. I can't, but, you know, I already work with um, some trauma-informed movement, but this is, um, like, deeper, deeper, deeper. And um, okay. this is trauma. So when, when you take away someone's choice or take away their voice, and both of those happen in childhood on the regular to kids in this, like in the typical childhood system that we're raising them in. Right. They don't yeah. they get their choices taken away all the time and they don't really have a voice. And, um, and so when you have a traumatized brain where there's mm-hmm. a fear mess, a fear message or feeling on the regular, the fear of getting in trouble, the fear of being wrong, the fear of not being enough. We're talking about grades right now. The fear of right. when you say when you're your true self, you get shamed. That all that happens in school. It happens in families also. But and then you add on top of that. Now, oh, we're afraid of a virus. We're afraid because Susie, Susie's parents didn't get the vaccine, and she's germy. Everyone has to wear a mask. If you didn't get the vaccine, you wear a mask. You know, mask, mask, fear, fear. Now you're mm-hmm. you're doubling down on the trauma, and that turns off executive brain function. So. There's all you know. There's um, all kinds of neuro, scientific neurological explanations relating to emotion and fear response. But literally, you um, you take away the ability to an- analyze information and stimuli. Um, you take away memory. You, you know, you take away the maintenance of of long term memory. That starts to um, decline with the trauma and the fear messages. Okay. Um, all right. The ability to set and maintain goals. Um, so many things, and and then you start adding addict- addictions to try to cover up the horrible feelings. So social media, gaming, food, sugar. I mean, think about teens. Vaping is through the roof. Teen alcohol and drug use is through the roof. And teens that have good conversations SPD and feel supported do not do that. Yeah. 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 Uh, can you... If, would you think you could talk to somebody for maybe five minutes and and make a guess as to whether they would be a mask wearer, you know, when all the, the mandates come back in a couple of months? Do you think you could you could tell people who would and who wouldn't just based on conversation? Mm. I think if you ask the right questions. Um, so okay. I tend to be a person, and you're probably like this also, I don't do small talk well. If I meet someone and we start chatting <laughs> with, within – Within a period of minutes, yeah. I, I don't do it on purpose, but somehow the conversation gets to something that's meaningful for them that they're struggling mm-hmm. with or that, mm-hmm. or that they're curious about and they, they want to analyze further. And, and, you know, it gets kind of, you know, it's kind of deep pretty quickly. And I feel like based on that kind of conversation, you could probably tell but I think there's so many reasons people mask. There's a, a variety of reasons. You could have somebody that's a critical thinker, but they really 
feel like in order to not create divisiveness and fear that they will put a mask on in some environments. And there's uh-huh. some that are like, I will never do it because if we do it, it leads us down the road to more. It shows that we're compliant and then the government's just going to push us more. But there are people who right. don't agree with it that do it. for. And I kind of feel like I, I'm not fully in opposition to that. I feel like we all have a mission in life to raise the consciousness and to get us all towards an amazing place of, you know, abundance and joy and not being controlled. And I think there's some people whose way to get us there is, is very peaceful. I, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I was just thinking, let's, let's push it a little bit further. Let's talk about the people that insist that other people wear a mask because they have fear and they're so mm-hmm. afraid that they want everybody else to do it. And I, I've had people, you know, someone said, where's your mask? I, I said, where, you know, I said, where are your manners? <laughs> I said, who the hell are you? You know? And I said, I said, you know, masks don't work, right? I mean, do, do most people not know that masks are, are absolutely useless? I've got a. I've got a so I think this comes on. to they hear the information, and they uh-huh. cannot process it. So I, I spoke to a beautiful woman uh-huh. from Southern California at a party this weekend, and I really liked her. You know how you like just like someone? Like I just liked her. I liked her, her oh, yeah. the way she took care of herself. I liked her tan skin. She looked like she was sunshiny. I liked her perky like attitude. I, like her. I liked. I just liked her, you know, and it, and it was just a, a vibe she had of, like, general energy, joy, and I'm making life happen right. for me. Okay, but uh-huh. in that conversation, somehow, mysteriously, <laughs> not at all, it came to the, mas- the masking and the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the pandemic and the masking, and um, her, her sister is a nurse in Arizona, and she, she said her sister was like, why are you still – she said, I'm going to confess, I wore a mask up until – um, fall of 2022. And um, I tried not to give a facial expression, but I don't have much of a po- poker face. Um, and she said, <laughs> like well, it. I don't. I, tr- yeah. I really try and I don't. But um, yeah. she said it's her sister's a nurse. Her sister kept telling her, what are you doing? That's crazy. No one's wearing a mask here. We haven't for over a year. She's like, we, you know, it doesn't work. It doesn't. She said her sister, who she loves, was saying all the things we say, but she's still she said, you know what, and she had all these excuses. She said, my family's really busy. I have kids. We have to be, you know, we can't be sick. And, and she had all these reasons. And I even mentioned, I said, well, the science on masks shows they really don't do anything and that the way you're healthy, it's and she knew all box. that. But I she knew all that. The, so she the, actually. The meme on the box. They don't yes, stop viruses. Yes, it says on the box. Right there. You can't miss right. it. And, and she has a sister who's in healthcare who is also telling her all these things. And even though she has all the logical information, because that fear message, right? So her sister didn't start saying this until probably late 2020. And we know from applied psychology that you need to, if you pound the fear message into people for two months straight without any opposing messages, the loudest message is the fear. So we isolated people. We kept them inside. They're watching TV and they got that fear message for the virus and masking. If you do two months straight, 80 80 plus percent of the population will never go back to feeling like things are okay. Even if all evidence, even if the fear messaging stops and then you tell them the opposite, you tell them, Oh, there was nothing to worry about. Oh, it's actually, we were wrong. It's okay. They'll never stop. So I feel like she's a case of that, 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 yeah. And she was kind and she's almost almost embarrassed. Like, like, yeah. Yeah, 
that's why censorship is so important to the fear concept because we've been blocked ever since, uh, you know, like I say, March 2nd, I came out and said, well, we've got chloroquine. There is no pandemic. We don't need a vaccine. The virus is already here. Besides, we have all these ways we can kill viruses. We can treat this disease and, and never need a vaccine for it. This is March 2nd of 2020. I've got the show. I sent it to somebody this morning. You know, we were so, so far that, ahead. So the key thing that, is isolating people, yeah. isolating and making sure that fear message is their main source of information for at least two months. Right. And then you're golden. Then you can take that population. They've been crippled. They've been, their brains have been crippled. Their psyche has been crippled 80% to the point where you can take that same fear message. You can keep bringing it back, bringing it back. It's, a, it's a literally a hypnotic trigger, a hypnotic response. So um, she was actually embarrassed. She, it reminds me of like when people pick at their pimples or pick at their skin and they know they're not supposed to and they can't stop doing it and like they're ashamed and they try to cover it up. You, you, I felt from the conversation that this, this sort of embarrassment on her part and she like, it's like there's part of her brain that knew but she couldn't stop masking and that's what we're seeing. And so that's going to be very interesting to see how that unfolds, right? And, and there will be anger because if you, if you, if you, haven't confronted your inner demons, whether they're, you know, from whatever they're from, then you get angry when others exhibit freedom and joy. You get triggered sometimes, right? Like, oh, how, like how do they freedom. get to do that? Bondage. There are people that, that can't wait for 2020 restrictions to come back. I saw that they long for the days of restrictions when they're told what to do, and they feel much more comf- comfortable in a bondage oh, situation. Like that. So sad. Uh, they were raised well, in prison school, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And this is what this is what I heard in the news. But here's my situation, which might be a, a unique step in independence. So I started life in Canada. I was there eight years. I learned the Canadian social system, public school, you know, and I basically knew the rules. Every society, every country has rules. People don't think they're that different. Trust me, they're that different. So I learned the Canadian system. Um, and then I went to Australia. And I had a completely different system. I went back to an old English-style private school. School uniforms, mm-hmm. I got caned. I went to an all-boys school as opposed to boys and girls. Um, I had professors that wore black robes. We stood up when the professor entered the room. And I had a completely authoritarian English-style disciplinary school. And I learned a new set of rules. And, of course, I embarrassed myself at first. I made horrible mistakes until I learned the rules. Right? So then I learned the rules. And then I went to the United States four years later. Right? I was basically, I, I, my parents kept moving me. So I went from a very authoritarian Australian British style school uniform system where I got caned to a totally, you know, loose, completely different boys and girls, American junior high with no discipline whatsoever. I thought I was thrown in with a bunch of barbarians. And I made, of course, all the usual, and I didn't know anything about race because we didn't have any concept of race in Australia and I had every race under the sun, right? And so all of a sudden I'm here and that I see that I see Americans, black Americans, white Americans, I don't care. It's the Americans to me. I'm the minority. And all of a sudden here I'd have to learn yet a new set of rules. So by the time I was on my third set of rules, I just didn't care. I said, you know what? I'm never going to get this right. I don't care. I'm going to live my life my own way. So when I turned about 16, I just said basically F this. And ever since then, because I, I was, you know, went through three different traumas, <laughs> you know, um, but I, I came out of it completely different. I came out way stronger. So now I just didn't care. And I became an individual. I said, I'm going to live my life as an individual. I'm not going to get it right. I'm not going to know the social rules. It's never going to matter to me because it, I'm, I'm going to, I might as well set myself up as, as, you know, the crazy person. And I did that, you know, by the time high school came along, I was like the crazy guy. So I could do anything I wanted. So you know what? If you're being crazy, that is trying to be normal. The people trying to be normal are screwed. They will never be happy. But when you're crazy, everybody thinks you're crazy. You can do what you want. I wasn't. But because I set myself up that way and conditioned people to think that I was crazy because I was the crazy Australian-Canadian, it was okay anything I did or said. 
It was a fascinating This study. is interesting. You know what's funny? My son, yeah. my son started a private school, um, a local private school that's very uh, upper middle class. The kids are driving uh-huh. cars that are nicer than mine. Um, mm-hmm. They have Unity Day. He, he, so, but he has a perspective that's thankfully very open-minded and critical thinking also. And um, uh-huh. he's very kind to others. He's naturally very inclusive. He does not like political stuff and being told by hypocrites to be more inclusive. He doesn't like <laughs> that the school, the school has a policy that you cannot be racist or misogynist. And I was like, well, what about against boys? It sounds like all the groups are covered except for boys, especially right. white boys. You can't be racist. And I, you know, that's just my, you know, that's, I was like, wait, we, we left a group out. No, there's no rule about that. So also, um, so there's been, it's been a very interesting week and a half. We've done a lot of discussions of, wow, this is the world. And so he's seeing um, these kids' recreational behaviors also, and it's insane. They're clearly not being parented at all. They make very poor choices. Um, but the interesting thing on that note is there's an exchange student at the school who's, who's from a, a Middle Eastern country, and his English uh-huh. isn't great, and he clearly doesn't understand the concept of being politically correct. And he's from a country <laughs> where it's a little patriarchal, and um, a little. And I actually had another discussion with a woman from this country this week in my women's group because I was so curious. And she says, you know what? There are great guys from this country. However, sexism is really rampant to the point it's almost comical. Okay. That being said, the kids are so monitored that if you say anything that even can be interpreted as racist or sexist against women, you get told on. And they're also encouraged. Oh, my God. It's like 1984. They're almost encouraged to tattle on each other. So he's processing all this, right? Um, and um, and he's yeah, that's what the Nazi, when, he, when he was 13, he read it twice. So he's, he, yeah. he sees this shit coming. He's my language. But um, the Turkish kid says, that, oh, I wasn't trying to identify the country. Um, he'll say things. And he's part of his, my son's new little friend circle. Um, he'll say things that are shocking that he should be getting in trouble for it because he's an exchange student and, and he just says it just like it's simple, just like it's like the air we breathe. He just says these things um, and everyone just kind of gets shut, like shuts up and just kind of doesn't know what to say and are kind of shocked because, you know, do you call him out or are now you being exclusive, you know, exclusionary because he's from another country and he doesn't know, like, I think everyone's very confused, like the authority figures on how to handle him, because, mm-hmm. I mean, the things he says in the middle of, like, the unity assembly, um, mm-hmm. and, and the truth is, Greg, you would probably laugh if you heard, and there's a lot of truth to what he's saying. He's kind of calling out some of the ludicrousness of it, um, mm-hmm. some of the hypocrisy, uh, but no one else can say it. Only he can say it. So it's kind of, it's interesting, but what um, kind of like you, like, okay, he's you know, he gets a hall pass, right? Oh, I think it's very similar. Yeah, if, if he, uh, if he's the, you know, the white guy can say anything because the white guy is the racist, sexist, you know, homophobe, misogynist. It doesn't matter. You're always wrong. If you're a white guy, you're always wrong. So it doesn't matter what you say. You're always wrong. So you might as well have fun. That'd be my attitude. Yeah. So that's what he he says. So thankfully, he's very introspective, and he's uh-huh. realizing that he's like literally stuttering during the day, censoring himself. And I said, imagine having been there your entire childhood in that system, Ken. You know, imagine yeah. having had your whole time. So, you know, the privilege of this experience is he gets to see what most kids have gone through for many years and he hasn't had to. Um, I mean, he, he knew, he, he's heard about it. He's lots of cousins and he's got a huge social group. 
So he hears about it, but to actually be embedded in it is a very interesting Uh experience. The total censorship, control of your body, control of your thoughts, control of your behaviors for, you know, from eight o'clock until three o'clock every day, right? But if the government's doing it, they're controlling everybody's lives through this, this fear, this oppression. And why we're Americans, where's, where's the natural rebellion? Where's the natural, we're not going to do this? Where's the, the land of the free, the home of the brave? The, the, where's the generation of when World War II? Okay. What, you know, no where'd child they left go? behind. No child left behind. Head Start programs. Hitler said, if you can get me the child before seven, I will own him for life or something to that effect. And that's very right. true. So if you traumatize yep. young children by separating them, you know, um, have them cry it out in their crib, you know, uh, have a hospital birth where the child, instead of put on mom's chest as soon as she, uh, the child comes out with cord attached um, to get the stem cells, instead cut the cord quickly, pull the child out, cut the child out, take, whisk it away to a bright lights and instruments. It begins there, and, and the process continues. And when you research any one of these topics in depth, you know, you realize it has to be intentional because that's the way we get owned. Our brains and souls get owned. And they must know this because this has been going on for a while. Yeah. Pianchi has a question for you. He's he's typed in. He says, when students are told they can't be racist, what does that mean? I mean, I think it's befuddling to kids. So I raised my kids for the first – my kids were five and under – all of them in the playgrounds of Los Angeles. You didn't even think about it. The playgrounds are rainbows. You don't know what anyone really is. There's so many colors and accents. There's so many colors and accents in every single playground. And, and if you're racist at all, you're not going to have any friends. Who are you going to be racist against? There's everybody's. So this concept and you watch children, they do not segregate by gender or by color. I mean, it's little, you'll see, you'll see like two little girls, they're both wearing bows in their hair. You'll see this noticing of similarities, right? Yeah. And delight, delighting in that, delighting, looking for similarities, looking for connection. That's what children do. It's when we start to segregate them that they start to notice it and, and they start to, so I think adults getting involved with their ideas and their own biases is the most damaging thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Children are naturally very inclusive. And until you start pitting them against each other, you know, shaming them, and then filling their heads with black people are victims. Look what our country's done. You know, black people are, are unfortunate. They're, they have a, a much harder, they, this and that. I mean, this sort of critical race theory messaging of separation and victimization I think is really shaming for everyone. Um, yeah, let me. Uh, let me bring I don't Pianchi. know what does Pianchi think. What does Pianchi think? On well, that? well, let's bring on for a second here because, like I said, normally we have some pretty specific topics. We're kind of all over the place today, so uh, mm, Pianchi, we sure are. What's uh, what's your take? Well, on that's that? why come the left always kicks the butt of the other side. Racism has no respect for skin color. It's an act. A-C-T, it's an action. And when you made this statement about when black people are this, black people are that, black people, well, they got you. Yeah. So when a black, so when a white kid does something to a black child 
and it's called racist, well, what happens if the black child does the same thing to the white child? Is it not racist, or is it just a pre-Adama? That's right. I mean, kids fight when they're unhappy. Kids, un, unhappy people behave badly. Happy people behave well. So mm-hmm. stop pitting kids against each other from an early age. Stop segregating them. Stop pitting them against each other. You know, um, assume best intent. Do social and conflict negotiation as the primary, like the only academics they get until age seven. You know, cooking, um, creative play, storytelling, and conflict negotiation, social skills, right? That that will solve a lot of it. I got a question, too, because kids normally take advantage of other kids. And one of the ways they can do that, if you've got black kids, Hispanic kids, Asian kids in a school and the evil ones are, are the, the white Christian uh, boys, then everybody else could do anything to those. It's like, you know, girls hit boys in school and then other boys can't hit back because you don't hit girls. Right. Yeah. So the girls it's hit the boys. It happens. Yeah. And they'll, they'll do that on purpose. And so what's going to happen now? You're going to raise a generation of, of young white Christian boys who are going to think that they can't do anything or say anything because they're evil. And what's that going to do for their fear growing up? How are you going to have white men grow up to have normal, healthy, you know, physical relationships, emotional relationships, if all their life they've been told that they're evil and that every, and mm-hmm. everybody else has been told that they're victims and they can take advantage? I mean, how many black kids are going to punch out white kids simply because they can't because that's not racist? It's only if the white kid punches the black kid that it's racist. Well, and anyone, is punching, anyone, is a sign, anyone punching anyone is a sign of unhappiness. And, like, okay, so I think of, like, a black boy raised in a single-parent family and, and – you know, I hate to say this, but not having a male role model and also, you know, the messaging and, and well, the like messaging it, of that men are deadbeats. I mean, whether it's a subtle yeah. message or an overt one, that's not a happy kid. And if and, you know, that's not a happy boy that gets raised in a healthy way, feeling like a man. And so mm-hmm. come to school and you have permission now to take your anger out on a on a quote, lower citizen. The white boy is now the, you know, the lower citizen. You know, that, all that stuff plays out. The, 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 the damage and sadness in all the boys' homes right now from feeling like I don't know what it is to be a man. I don't know how to go in the world and make women happy. They seem to think I'm just terrible, that men are terrible, you know. And then, and then they go to school and, you know, that's how it comes out, right? They're looking for a way to take the anger out and, and push it onto someone else. Um, I don't know. You know, I love the masculine. I feel like they're in a really sad situation right now across the board. Yeah, no but skin color. The, you might be seeing the last generation of men. You, you might be seeing I the next generation. I want the men to all come oh. together. If we, if we have this wonderful, diverse group of men that hang out, uh-huh. get super muscular and like have awesome conversations and like <laughs> sit around fires and talk like our boys see that. I, I don't know. Uh, that's what our, I feel like that's what our boys need is the men to come together and um, form well, these you know, have an radio man stuff. Yeah, I have an action radio man page and, and no guy, there are several members of it, but none of them take advantage and actually put anything even remotely interesting, controversial. Otherwise I put a bunch of, you know, classic mm-hmm. cars on and stuff it's just for fun, but there's nobody on the man page actually raising real issues. I'll do, I'll put stuff on occasionally, but uh, they don't pick up on it. I think men have lost the ability um, I think men to need be to get men. together in person. I think men need to get together in person, and I think it's wonderful that we have CrossFit gyms and these kind of, like, the area I live in, there's a lot of, like, 
I'm just going to say it very masculine looking gym. Like the outside has like one word painted on the wall and like it's little chipped paint and like you go inside and it just smells very, um, you know, well, it's like basic equipment. And, and I think that kind of thing is wonderful to have those all through the community, um, uh-huh. you know, and, yeah, and church groups. Man, Southern men can be men. New England men are, are geldings. California men, mm-hmm. especially California white men, you know, can't say anything or do anything because, you know, anytime you're in liberal land. Now, it's interesting. When I was in San Francisco, I loved it because, it, you know, I was a minority. And I was proud to say so. Yeah, I'm 25%, <laughs> like everybody else, 25% white, black, Asian, and Hispanic. Uh, pretty pretty evenly divided. So I thought on my affirmative action. It became a big joke, right? But uh, but you look around the country, and they're, they're, I think it's very cultural. So the South, I'm curious, Bianca thinks of this too, but the South is a place where men can actually be men. You look at the country western music, you got your guy with the pickup truck, you know, he's got my rifle on the back, and I got my dog, and I can have a good time here. I can be a man in the South. However... That doesn't hold with the rest of the country. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Agreed. You're in the you're in the south. Why are you in? The I south? mean, I don't know. You're, you're, the the um, yeah, the impression is a little. What I've my experience I, I, has been. Forget my bad redneck southern, accent. The southern yeah. man with with the truck mm-hmm. and the dog, let's say, and the gun tends. My experience, maybe it's the groups I run around with, tends to be critical thinking, success-oriented as far as success means financial stability, able to take care of my people, be able to provide and take care of my people, Um, and and financial stability and and independence, so I'm not reliant on government systems. I'm not reliant on um, if the grocery stores close down, I'm okay. Like, and, and, and then the ability to kind of critically think is still present, and it's, and it's pretty educated. You know, molecular physics, maybe not, but um, real-life skills and life experience that's applicable, yes. Um, and paying attention to the government and kind of picking apart what's happening and looking at history, yes. I mean, I, I don't know. That's been like, so I, I came here from California with sort of a bias expecting yeah, me too. <laughs> something and I'm wrong and I'm wrong. I was very wrong, but you have to be open-minded and curious. And, and the government well, isn't we, encouraging open-mindedness. It's encouraging false open-mindedness, false inclu- inclus- inclusion, right? Yeah. yeah. But aside from my bad accent, my stereotypical thing, but I think, I think in the South men are more free uh, to be more men. You got more military guys in the South. You've got, I think, more independent men. I think that the uh, the people that are objecting to the the critical race theory and the other things going on in school, uh, you're much more likely to see men objecting here. Uh, I think it's, you'll find that less in New England and the Midwest and other places, and the, and the West Coast especially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'd be interested to see. I think there's a lot more to it. Anyway, we've got about 10 minutes left. So have we covered – I don't know if we want to make sure we cover what you wanted to cover today. So we're kind of all over the place. Well, I feel like with with the impending increased mask and government fear messaging, just how do we raise teens that make good choices, not just about their health? So masking is a health choice. It, it We still don't have safety studies on it. We know that you're rebreathing your carbon dioxide, which causes acid-base imbalances. It can cause um, all kinds of wonky electrolyte issues. 
and then um, also skin problems, teeth problems. This is not a question. This is a fact. This is a causes health problem. So there Does the cost, is there a cost-benefit ratio? Are you really protecting yeah. yourself? What are better health measures you can do? How about high-dose vitamin C before school in the morning, making sure you have vitamin D and vitamin A on board, having a supply yeah. of your go-to immune-boosting um, anti-pathogen. So that's different for every family. For us, it's ivermectin. It's HCQ. It's, um, we have heavy metal detox in our family. So we have a huge, yeah, exercising, sunshine. The science of sunshine is like an avalanche coming at us right now. There's so much more than we ever knew. We knew that vitamin D levels, prior to the pandemic, we knew that low vitamin D levels um, set you up for um, more symptomatic upper respiratory viral infections, right? So, and and that our U.S. population as functional medicine has revealed mostly it's been functional medicine is that vitamin D levels have been chronically low. So going into the pandemic, we had a population full of, you know, so we know this, Um, but the knowledge about sunshine and health is, is like getting cuckoo crazy. um, The amount that, that, that we're discovering now. So that coupled with the understanding that there is a goal to block out the sun and the climate change will be an excuse for that. And what will happen for that is that we will not be able to grow our own food as much and we will have, um, you know, now these pathologically low vitamin D levels. So um, on the note of how do, I, how do I prepare myself for good health, it's not covering my waste excretion system, right? Um, in nursing, the first thing you do when someone, you know, falls on the floor or is critically ill is oxygen and hydration. That's what you know, those are the first two, like, remedies for almost everything, oxygen and hydration, then you assess from there, right? Are they oxygenated? Do they have hydration? Um, so, so that's just a no-brainer. You don't cover up your breathing. How, how do you increase your health? You know, you wash your hands. You don't touch your face. You drink lemon water, which actually clears out the mucous membranes, the oral membranes. And you can um, squirt your nose with saline after, you know, being in a pop- populous area. Um, there's so many things you can do. Himalayan salt. I like the salt. lemon water. You put lemon water mm-hmm. or what do you just like squeeze a lemon into a glass of water or what? Yeah, so when, when we flew on the airplane when the kids were little, um, security TSA freaking loved me because I had a doctor's note for my water bottles. I was like, no, I'm, I'm not drinking your nasty airplane water. I bring my own water um, right. because my kids were little and I protected them. And so I would have lemon water when they got to a certain age. And we would sip that um, knowing full well prior to any pandemic that, that an airplane is going to be a germy place. And I don't want my kids sick during their vacation. So we take sips of lemon water, and that kills off a lot of things that end up in the mouth and the throat. And then we would always do a saline squirt. They have those cute little, um, very easy at CVS or any pharmacy. Uh, you just put it in the nose, do a little squirt, and I'd have them inhale each nostril after the airplane flight. And you can do that. You can carry those with you if you're scared. And um, but much more effective than a mask, much more. High vitamin C levels. D adequate, um, other supplementation depending on, on your beliefs and what you've researched. And then the germ trail. Just look at how germs are getting in your body and, and cut down on those um, pathways and let your body be able to fight it, right? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I, I used to say that, and I'm going to say it again, that the government did everything possible to preserve COVID for their injections that came later. Because you look at everything, the masks, mm-hmm. cuts your oxygen, 
the, the town hall article when the parents took the mask to get tested, they found every bacteria and germ you can think of on those masks after eight hours. You know, you look at the lockdowns, isolation, stress, no sunshine, keep people out of schools, keep the social situation isolated, close the beaches, there goes your sunshine, close the parks. Everything they did preserved COVID and made it worse. Every government policy made COVID worse, which I believe was by design, so that everybody would, would knuckle under and, and take the COVID jab, uh, the COVID shot, which is not a vaccine. It's, it's, it's gene-altering, you know, chemicals. Uh, and they would willingly do this, and that's exactly what happened, even though we, I've got a chart that I put on every show. Every show you'll see my CDC chart that COVID ended, the deaths went to pretty much zero by July of 2020, five months before their vaccine came out. So why did they even have the truth? It just shows that truth doesn't doesn't matter as much as belief and perspective. And I actually posted something about perspective today, but um, that really it's your perspective. And so we can't control other people and their gullibility. But the beautiful thing about the pandemic is it really showed where our souls are. So it showed who you truly were at a soul level here on this earth. And, and there was a bifurcation of humanity. There was actually a division. And we could see clearly who was, I'm just going to say, like us, you know, freedom, critical thinking, um, yep. trusting, trusting our divine intuition and trusting God, whatever, however you want to think of, of divine, divine knowledge. And, and who was going to just cower, turn over, be a slave and, and do what they're told, really lost their soul. It's very sad. Yep. Um, and so compassion is huge this time around. I don't believe anything is alchemized through, through anger. Mm-hmm. I, I believe that's a lie also. I believe the alchemization of all this is going to be love and compassion, um, even for those who have rolled over, even for those who are angry at you. What did Jesus do? Turn the other cheek. And not to say we're going to yeah, roll over and just say one. beat me. Hmm? You only turn the other cheek once. You only you only turn the other cheek once. You only have two. Turn the cheek the second time. Then what do you do? Well, you find oh. a way to get around. So, so what do you do? That's a great question. I went to Tulum. I went to Florida. I, during all the lockdowns, we found a way to travel. We found um, we found healthcare providers abroad that understood mm-hmm. completely about this about the sham this was. And that we're willing yep. to, and then these countries want the tourism, so they're going to find ways to make sure nobody has a negative COVID test. I mean, it's whether it's wrong or not, these people are starving if the tourists don't come. So don't be all high and mighty that, oh, they shouldn't allow tourists. Easy for you to say. Go hunt in the jungle yourself, um, rich white lady, because that's the ones that are getting mad. Or the, really the middle top and middle class, you know, white housewives are the ones that are most angry that don't really understand the perspective of people who have to work to feed their families. And, and, and you know, so I think the compassion is huge and just demonstrating I know you've been brainwashed by fear and I know you're really scared and I know your life kind of sucks. Um, and I know it makes you angry and scared to see me living in freedom and joy. Um, and I, I'm going to try to reach you and I'm going to try to just meet you with love and, um, and then move away from that energy. I'm going to move towards people and situations that also vibe like me, you know? Okay. Yeah. What what does that mean? You know, moving more to a farming community, moving more rural. I mean, you may have to, right? A lot of people I know moved. 
Oh, I, I moved to, to Florida, but I wanted to get a radio job. Uh, we just had a big thunder clap above, and it knocked the power out of my uh, my house here. So I don't even know if we're on the air right now. I'm going to go back and see if there's any. Uh, that's okay. It was the end of the show. We got more. No, most of it will be recorded. Uh, they'll take it right up to what happened with the uh, uh, – I, I, I go log in. We'll find out in a second if I'm still on the air. <laughs> well, I'm going to need to go anyway. It's 11 o'clock, and I have a little guy waiting for me. And um, oh. he, he goes well, back to his dad at 3, which is so sad. But, um, yeah, yeah I, I need to run. I have another one with a headache calling me from his crazy private school. Um, so, anyway, I'm needed, and that's the number one job. But I love I love our hour together as usual, and I appreciate you giving oh, me a voice word. here. Oh, no problem. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.